That's why we had to call him the White Wolf. And he stood in the middle of that frozen lake like he knew it was coming for him. The ice cracked open and a selkie ball shot out. Oh, you never seen one. But he'll take down a ship with its cavernous mouth full of devil's teeth. And it swallowed that witcher whole. Oh, this is brilliant. Oh, sorry. It's just Geralt's usually so stingy with the details. Uh, and then what happened? He died? Yeah, he's fine. Look, I was there. I saw it with my own. See? <laughs> oh. What's that stench? Soaking more guts. Had to get it from the inside. I'll take what I'm owed. Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh, Valley of Plenty. Whoa. Toss a coin to your witcher, a friend of humanity. scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. A Friday after an episode release. Check out Friday the website. Saturday ish. Friday Saturday. The week. Sometime the weekend after the episode is before the next one happens. <laughs> then, then yes, go to the. Go it's more to like the, between thoughts. Yeah, you know? go to the blog at thefearofgodpodcast.com and check out Afterthoughts. You can only find them there, and they're great. Yeah. So Afterthoughts, it is. Uh, write a review or don't. You know. Um, <laughs> what a what a pitch. <laughs> come join the Facebook graphing at this point. You know? <laughs> just crickets. why bother with a review? <laughs> <laughs> We need to stop asking and they're just going to multiply. Um, but the last uh, uh, business time is going to pivot us directly into our little segment here because we're in the middle of a middle of a TV guide post, Riri. It's a little bit of a TV guide post. That's right. A little bit. Of- so we are, how many episodes of this? This is eight. This is eight. Well, wait, well, wait. I mean, before we get there, come on. Like, come on. I know it. What? I, I know it's been a while, but. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> I forgot. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again to visit TV Guideposts. This time around, we're going to a land which, must admit, I've tried five times to find out the name of and can't can't seem to locate the name of this land uh, or of some of the central characters in it. But we're going to The Witcher 
a Netflix original series based on a series of best-selling books and uh, starring Superman. Subsequent video game. And and its subsequent video game, yes. Uh, don't know what that voice was, but we'll just go ahead and, and keep going with it. But, uh, I'm Blevican. And so, uh, oh my gosh, I don't... <laughs> I'm feeling very confused by by all of this, but we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that that we're entering back into TV guideposts. So uh, join us for the first two episodes of The Witcher. Thanks. That was that was in the spirit of the show. I just got eviscerated. You, you know, sure did, like, yeah. But it's right when Superman the Barbarian, you know, he got his yeah. taste for blood and Zod, so he's just gonna like go for it, and he's just gonna, yeah. you know, like and he's like, you're dead. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Every two minutes, and then I told him, you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> There's gonna be a movie one time that we cover, and that's like the tagline. <laughs> that's gonna be in it actually. And man, I'm gonna run wild with that. <laughs> so, so funny. So okay. I was, this was maybe four years ago now at this point. I was at a work oh, conference. story time. Yeah, okay. story time. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. So um, about four years ago, I was at a, maybe maybe five now, but I was at a work conference. And it was one of those places where a lot of people, I was, I was new to leadership at my job. I had just been promoted to supervisor. And there was this workshop that they wanted to do for both longstanding leaders and uh, a few people who had just entered in to get together and have, uh, you know, basically a conference about leadership skills, studying personality types, um, navigating different situations and everything. Just, a, just a kind of a four day long training. And what the only context whatsoever that I had for the Witcher, in any degree is the person in my group uh at in one of like the last sections he was from Poland and he loved the witcher loved like it was his favorite series of books um and he loved playing the video game it was uh just like his thing that was he was just captivated by the world um and he talked a lot about it Again, that was like four or five years ago, and that was long before the Netflix series, you know, was maybe they were talking about it or developing it or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so I, that was my only context for this at all. I hadn't played the video game. I hadn't read any of the books. Um, so I knew nothing going into this, um, except, you know, fantasy type, uh, world. And then also we should mention that, this specific section of what scares us was recommended to us by listener Jacob Sane. Um, we are not going to be playing his contribution because we'll save that for the actual like thematic conversation about The Witcher. Um, but uh, but in TV guidepost fashion, we're just going to talk about the first couple of episodes here. But yeah, I didn't I didn't know much. Did you know? Did you have any knowledge other than just like, hey, a game exists, books exist about this, or or did you know a little bit more going into it, or had you heard more? Well, um, I. Must admit, I am well versed in the lore of the Nifgardians, and um, you know, Something no, I, I really didn't. So, um, Nifgardians, Leviosa. Sorry, no. wow, Leviosa, Leviosa. Um, I did not know it was a book series. All I oh, knew was okay. video games, mm-hmm. and. So, I, so no, I knew nothing about the world of it. I knew nothing about any of it. Mm, mm. I've watched two episodes now, and I'm not sure I know much more than I did <laughs> before I started. <laughs> I tell you, man, the tell me it presumes that if you are watching it, you are either bought in for the homework, 
or you have already, already done, the done the homework. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That, that, uh, either that you're going to, you know, cause in other words, it does not try very hard to make these characters or even its structure accessible. Like it took me a little bit of like extracurricular homework to figure out that they were jumping around in time. Like that took me a little bit. That was not immediately apparent to me. I realized like by the second one, that I was like, okay, wait a second. I think, I think these are at different like places. Are these just interconnected little uh, sequential stories? But like literally, the the first episode is split up to something to two stories: the the Henry Cavill adventure and the young girl adventure, and they're happening uh-huh. thirty years apart from each other. They're not concurrent. And is that clear in the episode? I, I found it out extracurricularly, so maybe it's not clear. Does that become clear in the second episode? I don't think so. Here's the thing, Reed. <laughs> I'm a little worried. I was on like a mushroom trip or something. Oh my watching gosh! Two episodes, okay. yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> must- know anything can happen. <laughs> and and <laughs> he's like, I saw some sword fighting. I saw one time somebody sang a song, and then yeah, there was some magic that, that perked me up. I was like, oh, <laughs> little. <laughs> a little ditty. <laughs> little, little ditty. Um, about Jack and Diane. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, I, I did not. Okay. So I will be kind and generous here. I am choosing generosity because I am recognizing I'm coming in with nothing. Mm. And mm. once, <clears throat> now I'm not there yet, but after the two episodes, I was like, man, WTF. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I don't I know can't, what to do. I can't make heads or tails of this. Mm, uh, mm. I don't know what anybody is saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was. I can't tell when they're if yes. they're speaking Elvish or if they're dropping actual over, names. It was overwhelming, and then I started doing a little reading, just try mm, to mm. get some footing. It is funny, you know. I will often report on the show how, you know, let's take. Um, under the shadow or whatever movies I haven't seen. I will just jump in. Yeah. Feet first. No real care. Just I'll find my bearings. <laughs> Sometimes that's a bad choice because <laughs> I couldn't find my bearings. I mean, I was just drowning in jargon <laughs> and foreign names. I mean, in the first episode, there's a scene where Henry Cavill's in some, Scarlet Witch Hex World with this wizard guy and Reed, if you'd been playing a drinking game with the number of words they say that are non-familiar words, you'd have been laid out <laughs> after that scene. I told my wife, I was like, this must have been what it was like for people who had no Tolkien knowledge mm. and started fellowship 20 years ago. They're like, <laughs> what <laughs> is this? So, that I am being jokey right now, also saying I am buckling up. Mm. I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna try to do my homework right now. Two episodes in, I'm like, huh? I don't know, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and it's Snyder. Snyder, what? <laughs> uh, let's go watch that. Um, <laughs> wow. But I am choosing generosity because I want. Uh, you know, like I like Cavill a lot. Um, I think it's got the earmarks of stuff I would enjoy. It was just yeah. A, it was head spinning. I'll He's, be real frank. So I, I can I can appreciate that in many ways. I so one thing that I I'm presuming you didn't do that I think helped me a lot. You've teased me for this before, 
but I have a tendency to watch movies with subtitles, regardless of whether subtitles are needed. Oh, I I started to turn them oh, on. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. Come on, man. Okay. I tease you when it's like, doesn't make any sense why you would do that. Oh, it makes absolute sense <laughs> why you would do that here. And yes, I got to a point. I'm like. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> what? 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 I don't know what you're saying. Why are you talking Superman? about Superman? Why are you talking about this? You're like speaking Kryptonian. <laughs> like uh, so yeah, I did turn Kikamora. them on at a certain point. Mainly because I'm like, what? It was the word Blevican. I'm like, what are they? What is that? What are you <laughs> saying? Town. Yeah. I know that now, but like in the moment, I'm like, <laughs> you just yeah, hear somebody anyway. saying, leave Blevican with your Kikamora before I. <laughs> uh, yeah. Before <laughs> Siri and. Cerebdus and Segabor. Segabor? That was it. That was it. (laughs) That was the word. I was like, huh? Sega. 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 Sega what? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, and so the. the, Segabor. What's interesting? That's like like Exegol and Rise of Skywalker. It just like (laughs) gets caught in your throat. (laughs) Segabor. Wow. Um, so, no. I love you, Jacob. <laughs> well, and, and I'm really, so I'm very curious to see where the show goes because, yeah, for sure. like, for instance, um, I remember think, having this feeling, and for those who have not watched Westworld, like, um, anytime that a, that a story plays around with time, you know, post 2006 uh, or 2004 or whenever, uh, they're gonna say, oh, well, it's, it, it's akin to Lost, or it's kind of comparable to Lost in some ways. Whereas, like, Westworld, did you ever watch any of Westworld? The HBO oh. series? So, it, though it didn't reveal it until, like, maybe late in the first season, if at all, is telling you storylines, and they're all set in the same world, but the storylines take place in vastly different times, and because, sure. A lot of these characters are robots. They have not aged, so they are there. You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. So, but the 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 robots um, have not aged, so they're interacting with younger and older versions of the same people, and you don't realize that until later. Mm. And so, like, not gonna watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, I you know, as if it wasn't already Boom. hard enough. <laughs> You're yeah. dead. So. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it's called RoboCop, but really, what is what's the premise? <laughs> You're dead. So, um, <laughs> but back to The Witcher. Back to The Witcher. Yeah. So, um, when I picked up on, and then again, I wasn't I wasn't smart enough to realize this on my own. But when I you know went and did a little bit of reading about it and realizing, like, oh, okay, these are taking place at different time frames, and there's presumably although I won't know this in full fruition until I reach, you know, episode five, six or whatever until they start to converge. Um, but presumably these plot lines are all sort of laying the groundwork, both for the world that they're in and the characters that they are. So what I know as of right now is Henry Cavill is like a mutated person who um, hunts monsters. That's what he does. And um, he's navigating this world most often for hire. That's his vocation. Um, as well as sort of his life's purpose is to hunt down and kill monsters. He has a name, Reed. What's his name? Geralt. But, um. Of? B- Rivia? There you oh, go. Oh, I didn't even look it up. You learned stuff. Oh, yeah, look at you. You're d- wow. You're a witcher. Oh, you're dead. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, he wanders about and kills monsters. Simultaneous to this, there is, um, a kingdom, uh, Sentra. Is that it? Centra? 
Sure. Sure. Don't look it up. No. Just roll just, with it. For roll now. with it. Uh, Centro. But if we we're got wrong, multiple episodes. We'll, we'll catch ourselves we'll between catch ourselves episodes. Okay. So I think it's Centro. But um. So but there's this kingdom that has fallen to these invading forces, and in the process of that, uh, the king and queen, who were the grandparents, although they were still quite young, but yeah, I thought so too. Uh, but the the king and queen were the grandparents of this young child, and uh, the king falls in What's battle. Syria, Cyrilla, I thought Cyrilla, yeah. Cyrilla Cuthbert. No, um, so wow, wow, <laughs> that's an Anna Green Gables. So, um. But I think, but they call her something else. Siri. Yeah, Siri. They call her Siri. Call her Siri. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but so she is obviously like heir to the throne, though it was not supposed to be this quickly upon them that she would be eminent to claiming the kingdom. And so it's fall- Centra. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm right she's about the, the kingdom. The lion cub of Centra. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, but the kingdom has fallen to the invading forces, and that is a name. It starts with an N, but I can't remember what that. The Nifgardians. Already Nifgardians. said that. Man. Okay. Look. Come on. Keep up. Listen. <laughs> Listen. So, um, <laughs> you choked on Sogabor. I gave you Bingo. that. One. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, so the, the, the plot lines are kind of revolving around the adventures of Geralt and Siri as she's sort of escaped the invading forces with her life and has wandered into the woods. The end of the first episode, somebody, uh, a character that I honestly thought was going to play a bigger role but dies at the end of the first episode, um, Renfri, um, pro- uh, prophesied, I guess you would call it, or like s- spoke to Geralt that his destiny was with the girl in the woods, which I have to presume is Siri. And so um, what I don't know, because I'm only two episodes in, the plot line around the... Renfrey told... Superman that Renfrey told Superman that his destiny was with the girl in the woods. Grandma tells Siri, yes. find Geralt. He is your destiny. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's how the message got to Siri. Renfrey said it to oh. Geralt. And so, yeah, I thought I was like, okay, the, the love interest or something. She's going to be a supporting player. <laughs> nope. You're dead. It's going to be the surrogate <laughs> tagline throughout this entire thing. Every time somebody stumbles. So, but, um, I think I don't know this because I, in my, extra reading i did not find out anything about like spoilers for future episodes but what i what i presume because the plot line feels terribly unresolved is the um the the half elf girl who has like the twisted spine yennefer right. i think is yennefer. um mm-hmm. i i presume that we will see more of that i thought the renfrey character was going to be like an ongoing sort of threaded mm-hmm. plot line and then it just sort of resolved of course Segabor shows up in the second episode as like a uh he's a, an influencer of that Istrid character that is um uh so Segabor is hiring Istrid to spy on <laughs> no 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 write this down <laughs> Sagavor is has commissioned. Hold on, I got my chart. Yeah, I got my chart right here. So, yeah, <laughs> he's. But I think Sagavor has um commissioned. Uh, I think his name is Istrid. Oh my god, this is so intimidating. Um, is Istrid the the other magician guy that Yennefer yes. encounters? Yeah, in the yeah, portal? yeah, yeah. Right. And I think I think who his, is Sagavor? Who is the old wizard in the first episode? Is that uh, Sagabor? And you know what? I said Sagavor. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. It's Stregabor. Um, <laughs> so different. Strago no no. Wow, Strago no more. Um, 
My God, I'm trying oh to God. find the name of Jacob that. is so pissed at us. He's no, he's he's rolling. I know, with. I'm kidding. Oh, no. I know. Um, gosh, it is frustrating me that I cannot find the name of of it's that okay. Just go with it. Anyway, I think it's Istrid, but anyway, we're in it. Um, so but Stregobor commissioned him to spy on Yennefer. Meanwhile, the witch who took her in for four marks, the the for four marks, she commissioned Yennefer to spy on Istrid. So there's a little bit of like gamesmanship happening Entry. there. Yes, cat and mouse, if you will. And um, and that felt unresolved. So I have a feeling that we're going to see more of that plot line. Again, I thought Renfrey was going to be like this this person and then just... She gone. She gets taken out at the end well, of the episode. Well, she was a person, Reed. Wow. I'm tired. Now, did I miss something? Because why did she say... <laughs> these, <laughs> these TV guys are just going to be me like now... Why did this happen, Reed? <laughs> Will you explain what? Why that happened? Did this? Um, who? And us guessing on names. I'm, I'm going to write the word and hold it up and ask you to pronounce it. And, you know, no. um, she refers to herself as like a mutant or a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, an yeah. Outcast. She was, um, and that's something that the that the show hasn't done because I got, <laughs> I got the impression it wasn't. <sighs> hold on. <laughs> I, I'm gonna need a the minute. The way you phrased Geralt as mutant was having been put upon him. I took it as just you are this half breed or some other thing. Yeah, like you were, yeah. I you mean, are I, this like mutants in Marveldom are born that way? Well, and know? that's what I that's what I was about to say is that the show hasn't really very, to my understanding, by episode <laughs> <Which is> two, <laughs> limited. <laughs> Amen. Um, to my <laughs> understanding, by episode two, the show hasn't really established very much like the mutation component. Is is it thrust upon you? Are you uh, born it with it? <laughs> wow. Um, are you? No, I, you, I'm not being rude. I'm just like, but like, yeah. Does that matter to the nature of the show? Or is it I mean, that? Yeah. Or is it just that they are mutated humans and therefore, you know, mutated beings, therefore, you know, going to have some? I was born this way, baby. <laughs> wow. Wow. So anyway. I will say this because we haven't we've we've spent like you know fifteen minutes trying to sort of unpack the mechanics of it. I'll just say this: so I I can see the comparisons to Game of Thrones. I can see them, you know, from the first ten minutes of the movie, just the world itself, the general, uh, not a movie, it's a TV show, but uh, the the tone of everything, uh, the way that uh, like Game of Thrones didn't it didn't put the cookies on the bottom shelf. It makes you work. For the information that it's giving to you, um, and so yeah, that I, I can see some of those. That's comparisons. a tall shelf. That's a this one. That's, a, that's yeah. a tall shelf. Yes, I'm like oh. But I mean, oh. I got to imagine, and maybe this is something that that you know Jacob can chime in on and kind of help us with. I got to imagine for fans of the video game and series, well, it, sure. it probably yeah. feels refreshing to just be like, oh, good, they didn't waste a lot of time oh, yeah. like holding our hand on it. They just sort of thrust us into it. Um, yeah. and so Blaviken. Blaviken. Yeah. But, but, Blaviken. but I am curious, um, you know, like these, these early entries of TV guideposts as listeners will remember is just skirting the superficial until we can wind up to the, yeah. you know, to the thematic conversation. But clearly, <laughs> um, I did watch a video when I, after I'd watched the two episodes and was kind of trying to do a little bit of just screwing my head back on. Um, <laughs> I found a video of Cavill breaking down the fight scene from episode one uh it was a really cool video actually oh, wow. i don't know exactly where i found it but that was a gruesome um, fight i mean it was yeah was it is well interestingly so 
it is it's all one take mm-hmm. um but he's talking about the blocking the choreography and his sword is a half instrument like it is only half of the sword so that they could digitally put the rest of the blade in oh i see so that so the choreography could all be done with minimal fear of actual harm um but there was fear of actual harm (laughs) minimal but no but i mean like you said it's half a blade oh you mean it's just the hilt well, no, it's not just the hill. But that's there's, what I'm saying. Like, like if there's in, any envision of... a broadsword, it's, right. it's cut in half. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's big dudes. I'm like, man, the tar out of each other. I'm telling fake... you, man, like if Henry Cavill was coming, Tell me. well, if Henry Cavill was coming at oh, me, he's a mountain. With, that's the thing is like if he was coming at me with that sword and he's like into it, that's a good looking man though. I'm, I'll be like, oh my god, like he's about to, st- yeah, he's he's about to, you, yeah, you Superman. Oh, you grow. Oh my God! Well, both of well, you know. Either way, you might kill that's me. That's right. Like that seems to be the the common theme in Henry Cavill's work. But I'm just like, yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm, but, that was good. But anyway, yes. Did you see him in Mission Impossible? That was good. That was a good movie. That was a really. Good that was a good movie. movie. Yeah, Henry Cavill's Henry Cavill doesn't get he's enough good. love. He's I good. like him. Yeah, he's he gets a lot of love. Okay. That's. I mean. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Look at the man. Damn. How can you not love that? Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It's true. He's a handsome guy. Women want him. Men want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Okay. So we will be continuing this journey, which will probably be some version of Reed and Nathan trying desperately to figure out exactly, you know, what, uh, what the Witcher is all about. But that brings us. Can you, can you egg, can you out, out well, go with about the to, song? Uh, with the song? Yeah. No, I don't remember. The, I, saw the, I saw the episode put a, once. Put a penny in your witcher or whatever it's called. <laughs> penny for the witcher. Put a penny in your witcher. <laughs> what in the world did you just say to <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that concludes another ridiculous episode of TV Guideposts. Woo. Pennies and witchers and Balaclavians of Stregobor. Mm, wow. <laughs> it's making me hungry. <laughs> Tune in next time. All right. Tune in next you're, time. For t- you're dead. <laughs> Tune in next time for TV Capos. Do it. <laughs> Episode? Are we doing three and four next? It's three and four know. next time. Okay. It's three and four. It's, next I mean, and we may need to just take them one at a time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is intense. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So yes, wow. Yes, well, I don't know that at the end of all of this, I will be like a Witcher fan. I don't know, but this is a hell of a lot of fun. It's, so this, thank you, Jacob, for yes. your submission. Absolutely. Absolutely. Woohoo. Okay. So yes, three and four next time. And that brings us to, thank uh, you. Yennefer of Wengerberg. I can see why Geralt didn't want to lose you. What does that mean? Minrind. Minjin. That's why we can't escape each other. Why I feel this way inside. No. It's not because of anything real or true. You made a wish. It's magic. It's real, Yen. How could we ever know? 
Disregard for others' freedom has become quite your trademark. I made that wish to save your life. I didn't need your help! Like, f you didn't. And you, you flit about like a tornado, wreaking havoc. And for what? So you can have a baby. A child is no way to boost your fragile ego, Yen. I'll take advice from you about children as soon as you take responsibility for the one you bound to you and then abandoned! That's enough. I'm going to save you both a lot of hurt with a little pain now. The sorceress will never regain her womb. Though you didn't want to lose her, Geralt, you will. He already has. Up the business time. All right. Gentlemen. <clears throat> It's now time to go to the continent where Geralt of Rivia has misadventures and his other co-star characters, Yennefer of Vandabargar and Cyrilla of Sentra. Don't say hey Siri to her, at least not these days. Your devices <laughs> are our star and time-tossed trio of characters that I imagine will converge at some point but I just don't know. This is my Henry Cavill Witcher voice. Yes it's time to go to episode 3 and 4 of The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> Yennefer of Vanderberg sounds like a Swedish uh -uh. chef character. It does. It does. Like, it yeah. does. And okie you know what? I was, I was writing down her name and it auto-corrected to Jennifer and it was like mm. of course because you know. Of course it is. Like, yes. Right. That's what it is. This is the early yes. Yennefer of Vanderberg. Yeah, I've heard of Vandenberg. He put the cheeky in the little stew. Jennifer. I mean, that one feels like you just put syllables in a bag and pulled them out. Vandenberg. Sure. Yeah, of course. Would you like some cheese on your Vandenberg? Oh my gosh! All of our all of our Polish constituency are like Nathan and Reed. Yeah, we lost the one. Um, <laughs> Beckley, Beckley. So we, this is, we're getting to episodes three and four now. Uh, had you, you, you did us the favor of, uh, kind of partnering in this material. Good, good on you. You're, you're a good friend, uh, and media consumer. Um, what was your familiarity with this series before these four episodes? Pretty Anything. much zero, pretty much nothing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I knew it was on Netflix, but I, I knew it was based on a video game. But before I watched the first episode, I didn't know anything beyond that. I figured out a little later that the video game was based on a book from Poland. Right. But, uh, yeah. I didn't know that before I started. Do I? Do any of the three of us know? Like, do the? <laughs> <laughs> Here he comes. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. I just, right? <laughs> it's like why even ask, Nathan? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. No, uh, the thought that came to me is like. How many games are there? Do the games, uh, does the, does the TV series track the narrative of the games? No, Who knows? We I need, we need a Witcher that, no. expert. Yeah. 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 Do, yeah. I haven't either. It's just more fun. It's just more fun to be like, what is happening on this show? Did you know that Steve, that the character stories were taking place in alternate timelines I or in? I, I figured that out when Reed said it last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and your first clue to that 
would be in episode four. Right. Of like, you know, like that's really the first time really? if you if if you had not known that by like extracurricular information, which is how I found it out, your first clue to that would be in episode four when Geralt shows up okay. with characters we've already seen die at the banquet. At right. the banquet and then, you know, they're they're all showing up and, and the Queen Calanthe Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, of I'm, Centra, I'm good. This I'm good this week. You're like, all right, I all got right. him. But yeah, that that would be your first clue. Yeah. yeah. Now let's. Okay. Well, that's helpful. So read, speak broadly. Uh, so th- these today we're talking about episode three, Betrayer Moon. Episode sure. four of Banquets, Bastards, and Burials. Um, and did you? You know, we 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 got to share last week about our kind of maybe neutral takes on episodes one and two. How do you feel after these two are same kind of gear? What's your general thoughts? Super funny that you should ask that because from, so episode three really energized me quite a bit. And most of it revolved around the things that they did with Geralt, which we can get into in some more specifics uh, in just a little bit, but no three and four uh, in, in stark contrast to my somewhat, stunned and confused and befuddled experience of episodes one and two three and four really have me like i'm 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 kind of in on the show now because they well first of all it's a little bit more um streamlined a little bit i think the uh picking up the plot specifically in episode three picking up the plot with yennefer so being able to sort of thread something through and um being able to thread something through that is a direct continuation because even the Geralt plot lines have been, okay, that was the monster that week. This is the monster this week. And then in episode three, we get that again. I'll come back to that one. But I That's think the Striga, the princess, the Striga. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, carrying a <laughs> Striga. So, um, carrying over what was happening with Yennefer's plot line, I think, uh, anchored me. A bit more, and even though there's some elements of, particularly the ending of her story, which you know that that whole sequence of her transformation is really uncomfortable to to sit through, uh, but I think it has a really nice payoff. The stuff with Geralt and actually like fighting to uncover this mystery of the of the Striga, and then changing from just being a, a slaughter machine to actually trying to rescue this creature and save this creature um, just really pivoted me around a little bit in a way that that I think put me on board more for the show that was also carried over into what they dealt with in episode four um, where all of the Geralt stuff in episode four I was I was super energized by because again we're seeing characters we've already seen before they're coming back in different contexts some things are starting to solidify so yeah i'm i'm in on it my it it pivoted from curiosity and homework to i was actively engaged with the majority of three and four as as plot lines as episodes as you know constructed hours of entertainment i'm i'm in i'm in on it yeah i think i i liked four well how do i say this so, uh, three had, as you alluded to, the kind of key scene of Yennefer's transformation. The Yennefer story in four was the first time I really felt like, oh, this is cool. The, mm. the, the portal chase. Oh, um, the portal chase stuff the, was the great. The ant monster thing. Yeah. Like, that Psycho, is very Psycho cool. Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. No, it's absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it was really, um, and gets us an opportunity to explore kind of like, 
what she brings to bear in terms of her power structure and and how she yeah she it, well it, i feel like you the way you just said that make, makes me want to introduce two notes here and and uh because we still got six episodes left but most of the rest i imagine will be some version of plot and and four we're episodes left talking but about yes We've got four episodes. Oh, there's, yeah, there's eight total. There's, okay. there's only eight. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> six, eight, ten, Vandenberg, you know, if whatever. It, if it ain't um, the names that'll get you, the math yeah. <laughs> will. So, like, <laughs> yes, exactly. And you, you, good segue, Reed. Thank you. Way to, way to team me up. So, two sort of complaints I have about the series overall that have one that has sort of ironed itself out, though still could have been a thing but the second one that's still kind of quibble with so one is and 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 steve this is maybe fresh for you too so feel free to jump in so i went today to read the wikipedia page to kind of refresh myself because you know listeners may know this we record two episodes at a time so i've watched four episodes of the witcher and so i was just trying to reframe okay what is happening in these episodes and i would encourage anyone to go do that because if, if you're following along the show, um, because, um, something the show doesn't do, uh, in, in technical form is, is give any bearing for chronology and the Wikipedia gives years like, like, yes. you know, for our 2021, whatever theirs is, it's like 1200 X, you know, 12, this 12, that I'm just noticing right? that I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I think what I'm trying to get to here is, the amount of help that provided Mm -hmm. to orient myself in the narrative that I think, I don't know. I think I wish the show had front loaded because you can still do, okay, these are taking place across different timelines, but, but tell me that because I feel like I spent so much time, those first two episodes in utter confusion as to Mm -hmm. kind of what, is happening and, and and their relationships to each other that knowing that would have really helped ground me in what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately it is very cool when you get to the banquet and, yeah. um, Geralt encounters Calanthe and clearly we're now in the past of Siri who is not yet born her, their intersection becomes clear in that episode. So that's pretty cool. Uh, even with something as silly as something called the law of surprise, whatever. But I just, part of me really in reading the Wikipedia, I was like, I wish they had just done this because it would have, it would have unburdened some of that major confusion. Do you, do you, do either of you echo that or, or share that thought? Uh, I totally, I totally agree. I would completely echo, uh, not to just like tramp all over your opportunity, Steve, but like, uh, but I think like, (laughs) even just, even just like hold, like holding up the years beforehand might have helped with that. Now to that end, if you hadn't figured out, if you as the viewer hadn't figured out by episode four, that things are time jumping, Episode four would have firmly solidified it for you, but I do think those first three would have been less work and less confusion right. to simply, you know, identify, yes, this is the sort of the timetable that we're playing with. And I don't know, I, I go a bit back and forth on it because plenty of other outlets move around through time and play around through time, be they a movie, be they, uh, you know, a, a book, be they a TV series. 
Um, but I think most of the time when a medium plays around in time, there is usually another element of its structure that is linear. For instance, um, Tarantino with Pulp Fiction, going back like, you know, to, gosh, 20 years now at this point? Uh, um, 94. 20, so 25, yeah, 26 years. years. Yeah, almost 27. 20, yeah. Um, going back to Quentin Tarantino, yes, that story is told non-linearly and jumps around in time, but it does so to fulfill an emotional arc. And so one of the things that's difficult to ascertain at this point in the show, we're midway through the show, watched four episodes. And at this point, I do think that like I can't quite grasp the emotional arc they're aiming for that would justify telling this story unbridled from time. So, so put in uh, slightly simpler terms, maybe by the end of episode eight, I'll look back on the rest of the show and say, oh, cool, this is why they introduced this piece here and this piece here and this piece here. But moving through the episodes singularly, I don't quite have that cohesion yet of well, the emotional yeah. sort of grounding. And, and I'm not even arguing that I wish they hadn't done the time jumping. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I kind of wish I had known and understood that because I'll – join with you not with the pulp fiction example but to me it's not about something else needs to be linear it's about um yeah i'm gonna do it lost okay (laughs) lost ends up time jumping but one it's a very dramatic payoff when it happens and two lost more or less is rooted in a naturalistic setting that i understand Mm, the problem doing it here is i don't understand anything and now on top of that Meaning, I just mean like it's a fan, it's a fantastical world that right. the rules I'm trying to figure out that are being kind of shadowed from me. Oh, by the way, it's also unstructured time wise. Right. Like it's just right. a lot. It's a lot to kind of foist from an accessibility standpoint. And I would think, you know, I, I, call me crazy, but I would think if you're trying to garner fresh fans to the property, accessibility is what you need and what you want is just like, and you can't hang it all on Cavill who has some very broad, strong shoulders, <laughs> but that's a lot of weight to carry for one man. <laughs> no, indeed. No, you need a calibration point. You need some, something to sort of, and that is the argument. I mentioned this in last week's conversation about it. That's the argument of, are you trying to appeal to the broadest base possible or are you trying to get it right for the people who would buy in on this and say, wow, they really captured the spirit of it. And to be honest, I don't, I don't know at this point because I have not read the books and have not played the video games. So I don't know. Um, you ain't they- fat. You ain't fat. <laughs> <laughs> you're nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm- like, you're not a fan. You're not a fan. It's the joke oh, I'm going for. Got, like, got it. Got it. I'm like, this oh, ain't oh, for yeah. you. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is for us. Right. <laughs> no, no, that's true. We're still I'm trying the uh, benefit of the doubt so far. Exactly. That's true. What are that what are true. some no- what are some notes, Steve, that you would have from at least episodes three and four that that you know they can be broad, yeah. they can be specific. Well, truthfully, I haven't gotten all the way through episode four yet. I've gotten to the part mm-hmm. where hey, uh, unplug him, Reed. Unplug him. I was <laughs> <laughs> supposed to say that. No, no, I am. I'm you kidding, are always welcome here. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 no, I kind of get the gist of it. I know where it's headed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 
I just love that, you know, he had a great uh, film about a year ago. It was a surprise hit. It, it had a lot of um, naysayers going into it based on his uh, the CGI design of him. I'm glad to see Sonic the Hedgehog get oh. another <laughs> some more screen time in episode four as as Dooney the Dooney the whatever he is. <laughs> like what? Oh yeah. So let's get back to my number two here, which is number two. Yep. Ah, y'all made the joke for me. Um, <laughs> is everybody can do anything? I'm just really oh. like when <laughs> I'm unstuck in time. And it's one thing for the Witcher, the titular character, to have some sort of undefined power set, which, you know, I guess is like a hand, it's like the force. Um, <laughs> but kind of a lot of other characters can do random stuff too. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And every type of critter and creature and monster populates this world. Okay. You know, I guess I that's, mean, that's what's on the continent. Here's the, here's the thing. I'm not so, so. I'm in this weird place when I hear you say yeah. that because I don't disagree with you because I don't understand the rules of navigation. At the same time, that's kind of how magical fantasy works. There are oh, creatures who can do X. I hear there are creatures who can do Y. There right. are creatures, and, and the creatures are all populated, you know, in, in wide array. And so it's like, yeah, it's that's why I say sincerely that I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of with that. And the reason I'm with it is because emotionally I'm having the same experience. I don't understand the structure around right. who can do what. That having been said, though, I can't really fault the show for that except to say that they did not you know, define that for me yet. And maybe that's something that I'm just meant to accept and roll with, or is it something that's going to be a little bit more constructed in the later parts of the show, I don't, you know, th that's the part that I don't know at this point. I could only speak to the fact that, yeah, at this point in time, I don't know who can do what, why they can do it, or how they got they to be do what they're magic. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just magic. I kind of like how you just... learn a little bit every episode. You don't, they mm -hmm. don't give it to you all at once. Uh, you're kind of yeah. like a, a fly on the wall in this universe. And mm -hmm. right. I like, I like the portals. Everyone loves a show with portals. <laughs> <laughs> Portals uh, you know what? Best. They don't make any more shows with portals. <laughs> I'm glad like to see this one. Ring only without there ring. you go. That's right, one. that's it, Mister Doctor. <laughs> um, no, and and so it's clear. I'm I'm being um um I don't actually don't mean to come off critical. I'm saying I'm kind of actually more on board after these two than I was the first yes. two. Yeah. If these two things had some clearer definition, I think I'd really be bought in. Right mm -hmm. now, you're relying you the the show, not you, Stephen Reed, are, are relying on my affection for Henry Cavill and my appreciation for seeing monsters right. at, of doing the heavy lifting for you, which they kind of do. But yeah, sure. um, some of those other things, it'd be like, okay, man, if you just sort of tweak this, you know, maybe <laughs> I don't know, whatever, whatever. I it's gotta a, say, just a, yeah, say just it. to re just to reiterate for myself about about 10 minutes into the Geralt plotline with the Striga in episode three, I actively felt myself fully engaged and like, I want to find out what happens here. I'm bought in on the character. I like that. And, and that carried over into the Geralt plotline in the banquet in episode four. It's got right. a good blend of humor. There's some good sort of thrills to that. Like the whole moment you, you joked about Sonic the Hedgehog, which yes, that was, that's funny. But <laughs> Like the moment when Geralt like steps in 
yeah. and finally yeah. decides to stay to save him. That's a really energizing moment. That's a that's a moment where uh, you know, like, and then that whole fight, it becomes the big fray against, sure. you know, them against all the rest of the knights. And then, you know, the, the, the husband to the queen joins into the fight and everything. And so it's like all of that was very energizing entertainment. And at a certain point, this may come off like a backhanded compliment. I don't intend it to be. At a certain point, I stopped caring about what I didn't understand and I was enjoying what they were doing. And that was very specific to kind of, these couple of episodes and the and I had enough to anchor myself into what was happening in the scene to be actively entertained and though I was still quite confused about the broader ramifications of sure, things sure. at a certain point I didn't care anymore because I I enjoyed what they were giving me yeah and I do think the banquet so so my big I don't exactly I didn't share in your sort of investment or buy in with the striga plot line though mm. I thought I mean I will never fault the show. It it nails the monster stuff. Like it looks great. That the production design, design is, is great. The creature cool. design is great. All of yeah. that's really strong. Um, and the general, as you described, kind of boorish humor attached to just Geralt, the character, uh, right. works. Um, the things that turn the corner for me, even though, yeah, silly things like the the Sonic bit and and the Law of Surprise, which I, I just wish they'd come up with a better name. But I like the concept. I liked the convergence that happens there and it's like, Oh, okay. This is kind of cool. This right. totally, this, this does re- even though it doesn't propel me to want to go sit and watch it, it recontextualizes those first couple episodes to, sure. to get you there and the sling ring with the ant monster. So yeah, <laughs> that was no, all good. awesome. Um, before we kind of wind it down, Steve, did you have anything else to add or, or, or are we good? Uh, we- well, I mentioned uh, Dr. Strange, you know, a trivial bit. Uh, yeah, you know the character yep. Stregobor, who's the mage in the town of yeah. Lavikin. That's do we right. ever? That's, that's played, right. He's played by Lars Mikkelsen, the brother of Matt huh. Mikkelsen. What? Who what? Was Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yay! Um, that's cool. Who's that- who's film another round? Just won uh, best international film. Oh, yeah. at it the did. Oscars. It did. It's a pretty good movie. I liked it. Yeah, I didn't see yeah. that one. I did. Uh, yeah, I guess good. I didn't recognize Lars Mikkelsen right away because of his big beard in this show. Ah, nice. I like old Mads. Stregobor. Very well done. <clears throat> That's been another foray into the continent of the land and world of the Witcher, where sling rings, ant monsters, and anthropomorphic hedgehogs all live in harmony or not in harmony, depending on the episode. Tune in next week for episodes five and six, where more might be revealed, but there will definitely be monsters, and probably naked people. Until then, this has been TV Guidepost. Hookie dookie guidepost. Oh, yeah, the bird of Vanderberg. Oh, man. No, wait. Wait. You saved my life. I must repay you. You've proven yourself to be the kind of man who would do the same. I want nothing. No, please. Please, Geralt of Rivia, do not feel like you're doing me a service. I cannot start a new life in the shadow of a life dead. Fine. I claim the tradition as you have. The law of surprise. Give me that which you already have, but do not know. No! What have you done, Witcher? Fear not, Your Majesty. If 
I'm seen in your kingdom again, it'll be to kill a real monster, not lay claim to a crop or a new pup. Destiny can go f- We don't really. Let's just. New I mean, let's just. No let's just dive in. Why don't you just take us? Yeah. Take us into the continent, Reed. <coughs> <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again to revisit the continent. You know the tune. You know the song. It's oh, wait. No, sorry. That's that's not the right one. It's um. Uh, hold on. I'll I'll have it in just a second. It's uh. Uh, I think it goes, uh... No, 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 it's not, uh, it's not that Is it, uh, believe it or not, I'm walking on it. No, 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 it's not that one, no. It's, it, you know what, we're going to, to episodes five and six of The Witcher, so, uh, uh welcome to wow. TV Guideposts. Wow, that was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was trying to come up with a new theme song today. Were you? Uh, so it's like put a penny in your Witcher. I guess. Uh, the, which is the formal one, the official one from the show. Um, of like, you remember the old put another nickel in? You know? No. Put another nickel in, in oh, that Nickelodeon. Yes, yes, I do remember All that. All yes. I ever want to watch is the Witcher, Witcher, Witcher. You know, it's like <laughs> trying to find some inroad that that's the theme song of sure. the Witcher in the show of the Witcher. Yaskier just goes around. <laughs> That'd be the best. It would become the best show if that was actually the theme song. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's like put a penny in your Witcher, put another nickel in your Witcher. <laughs> He's just <laughs> overflowing with coin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All right, so Reed, we are in Blake. Uh, welcome to the the Fog Show and the Witcher Show. Uh, hope you, uh, you know. Did we ever decide <laughs> which Witcher is which? Ooh, mm-hmm. the, sand, the Sandwitcher. <laughs> sandwitcher. Wow. So these two wow. episodes: five is bottled appetite, six is rare species. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed, what are your? You know what? The funniest. I'm going to tell you this as our inroad to this. Okay. So. Episode five is where, correct me if I'm wrong, this is where Geralt and Yennefer de Vandenberg finally, <laughs> <laughs> finally meet, right? Uh, yes. This is the episode, yeah. Episode in the, five, yeah. In the super orgy. Um, yeah, there's that. And so that happens. But one of my favorite lines ever, just because it's like, that got left in here, is so, so. Uh, Blake, you're new to this show. Uh, you know, you've got the, the mage, the witch, Yennefer, who, uh, in addition to various other sorceress-esque powers, has some sort of pheromonal ability, right? Am I wrong, Reed? That's something that's I, going on there? I, it has to be. Yeah, that has to be the little, like, mist thing that's going that's around. What, that's yes. what Wikipedia told me. Okay, okay, okay cool, yeah. cool. Glad you uh, glad you <laughs> did the homework. Um, so she tries to exercise this pheromonal capability upon Geralt of Rivia, mm-hmm. but he is a wall of man and he does not <laughs> succumb. Immune. Right. But late in the episode, he, he finally starts to buckle under this pheromonal thing. And he goes, that scent lilac and, and then she finishes it. And she says, 
Gooseberries. <laughs> I was like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, I always thought gooseberries was something else, and it was yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, like, no kidding. I thought it was the little balls like, on the back of the cow. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, that's a yeah. dingleberry, I think. No, wow. That's true. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> funny with that. That was the first pass at the script. It's like lilac, and, and she goes, dingleberries. <laughs> I would have believed it in the continent. <laughs> it's just oh anything God. goes. Anybody can do anything and anything goes. So lilac and dingleberries. I kind of wish they'd left that in there. <laughs> the, I, mean, I mean, it's, it's not like gooseberries is any like more romantic, yeah. you know? Like, what? <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what would have ended that sentence that would have invoked some romance <laughs> and sex appeal, but gooseberries was not the word no, I was no, waiting not for. Gooseberries. Dingleberries might have been better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's complimentary. Think about it. Sure. Yes. One hopes that the lilac is a little bit more powerful, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then everybody gets naked in this episode. Oh my god! There's so much nakedness in this episode. It'll do that. There is so much. Actually, my whole little call out to the whole Game of Thrones theme song thing was it was literally inspired by how much nudity there is in this episode because it's like there's. It's it's they crammed so a series worth of Game of Thrones nudity into one episode. All of into this episode. So here's what. Okay, so real talk. Pivoting out of okay. the yeah, pivoting out of the humor for Dingleberry. a second. <laughs> right, pivoting pivoting away <laughs> from from the humor for a second. So cool. last week I just championed and meant every word my like affection for three and four and how the show kind of like had me boy if anything threatened to just like reverse thrusters on all of that it was episode five not because of the plot i'm still all in on the plot the gen plot line and the little mystery of like who has the wishes and how do they save yaskier and everything like i i thought that was interesting but it immediately felt very excessive and gratuitive the amount of nudity in this in this episode and so, so what's what's interesting is you know like i'm i don't consider myself to be somewhat prudish um you know i i'm 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 fine with like all kinds of mature content like it's it's perfectly fine um, how, but, again like gooseberries i didn't know how that sentence was going to end right, you're yes, like exactly. i'm not approved and fill in the blank what your counterpoint right, is going to be to prove say. that you're not approved yes. i was waiting yes. <laughs> you let me down <laughs> sorry so <It's> okay <laughs> but but like it just felt to me in that moment like just very unnecessary for how many you know the the orgy scene just sort of was what it was but it just felt in general like somewhat unnecessary for how frequently Yen- the character of Yennefer is nude in this particular episode and i didn't know cuz like sometimes i know and i and i want to just sort of hang a lantern on this this sort of reality that sometimes expressions of nudity and expressions of body uh, for certain people can be an expression of self and can be a kind of a very empowering thing. And it's possible that that was what uh, is playing in here, especially considering the fact that the showrunner of The Witcher is a woman and the writer of the of this episode is a woman and the director of this episode is a woman. So I, I have to you know, acknowledge that maybe what was going on here was not exploitation on the part of producers, given how much female presence there was in the creation of this episode. But um, it was a bit off-putting to me in general. I found the story great. I, f- I thought that Yennefer's performance was really, really strong. I think that she as an actor is delivering, has been this entire show, she's been delivering a wide range 
in her growth from just being this uh, initially sort of crippled and hunchback character to the very sort of empowered person that she is at this stage of the show. Um, so I find the actor very impressive, and I think that it's it's it is a really strong performance. But yeah, it's just there were so many times where I, it it was taking me out of the episode to be like why. Why does she? Why is she naked at this point? Like I don't, I don't understand entirely at this at this stage. So I don't know. Like feels a bit a bit awkward to kind of bring that up because it, you know, it, it yeah, all the different implications. But that was a, a a big step backwards for me in the in in my enjoyment of The Witcher, as it were. Yeah, I mean it's well. What's funny about it is like the show has flirted with those. Um, I'm hesitant to say heavy sexual themes, but just sexuality. Yeah, it's not the first nudity in the show. Per episode. Right, right. Per episode, there's typically some sort of nudity aspect. But in five specific... Well, even the end of three was a little uncomfortable, just the the transformation sequence. Right, right. But even that, you could make a case, has some artfulness to it. It's, It's a bit shrouded, so on and so forth. Well, so the orgy scene being what it is it's so it's a very lengthy scene mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's really well lit i'll put it that yeah. way um <laughs> and then you know the end scene with her trying to capture the genie and uh it's just like yeah i mean you i guess if you got it flaunt it i mean that's how i operate in the world um, yeah, you clearly have no problem just streaking through, you know, what, you know, like and more power to it's you. It's not a, it's not a genie. It's a, it's a gin. A it's gin. True. It's true. It's yeah. I was using the common, the common tongue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> just don't be stuffing on other cultures, bro. Yeah. yeah like, come yeah, on. Yeah, come for on, sure. Get her, get her right. Get her right. But I find like that, like I've, I've heaped some criticism on this episode and I, I, I won't backpedal on any of it, but I find the gen plot line, the plot line really interesting. And it's a great way narratively to collide Yennefer and Geralt together because he needs a mage. Do she's the mage of this collide? time. And they collide. See, that's the other thing. <laughs> the, the moment with the, the, the orgy notwithstanding when Yennefer and Geralt finally are intimate, fully clothed. Fully yep. clothed. Like every, Give me a every break. bit of... <laughs> Take off that armor, Cavill. Wow, wow. (laughs) But it's just, you know, like... I thought you were about uh, to say, take off that armor, Cowboy. (laughs) No, no. I mean, you know, I guess it works, too. Wow. But no, like, I mean... So, so, but just, you know, uh, uh, yeah, just in general, maybe maybe it's a personal hang-up, maybe it's something like that. I can can acknowledge that, you know, I, I can acknowledge that there's a wide array of perspectives on this particular subject. But for me, the biggest hindrance was that it kept taking me out of the episode because that kept being sort of the thing that was there and so it was a matter of uh, sort of like i kept wrestling with like was this a production choice was this i mean when i'm like tempted to google at the moment who the writer and director and producer was so that i could find out if this was a potentially exploitative moment then that's you know maybe just a personal hang-up of mine where i couldn't couldn't quite you know, cross that bridge for this particular episode. But so ultimately, was, what you're saying is there was a whole lot of gooseberries in this episode. It's well, <laughs> make of that. So, I, so, what? so someone who who has seen exactly ten minutes of the first episode of the show, hey! I read I read the Wikipedia yeah. entry of the first six episodes. 
And I've never struggled so hard to get through paragraphs in my life. <laughs> like there were so many names and towns. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was oh, just yes. like, what in the world is going on? Oh yeah. I yeah. Mean, you should watch it. You need oh, a, gosh. you need a grid. You need like a, well, I what's mean, really funny about you saying that is I, I went and read, uh, some of the Wikipedia page today. And what was helpful to me was the timeline, you know, explication. Yeah. But to your point, the little paragraphs about the episodes, I had the thought. I was like, man, just reading this, <laughs> the volume of strange names and places are multitudinous. You know, it, yeah. it is kind of head spinning well, how they just and throw then, you in the deep end. And then I found out that I guess there is a primary plot line that threads through the video game and through the main sequence of books. And that this season one of The Witcher, they have taken that primary plot line, and instead of dropping us into the primary plot line, they have chosen, as an active creative choice, they have chosen to then go, uh, and all of the books and stories that were published later, you know, like, like you had the main thread of the story, and then later the author published stories that were like, and here was Geralt before he met Yennefer and and here was how Yennefer and Geralt met and stuff like that and they've chosen as a production team to thread those stories together and make that your season one so you're taking a bunch of stories that by their conception admittedly rooted in this world but by their conception they were you know self-contained pieces and trying to thread them into a cohesive whole I guess I have to I guess I have to applaud their ambition and have to say that to succeed as well as they even do, which I don't even think they fully do a great job of cohesion, but to succeed as well as they do is admirable. Um but yeah, it's like that's that's something that I find just incredibly daunting. Like, hey, let's let's take all of these you know, disconnected well, not disconnected, but let's take all of these compartmentalized stories and filter them all into just one thing. Well, they've, I, I was reading today, they've, I think, greenlit, or at least is, you know, early, early conversations, uh, a prequel series, you know, just about the origins of the Witchers as a really? thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Wow. There's a lot. Uh, either, um, I, I mean, I, I think Netflix is pretty coy with mm. their metrics. So by their definition, it's a, it's a, massive hit yes i, I, sure. pre- I presume that's correct by some yes. obscure metric um so you know i mean everyone on uh, their, uh, everyone on their dog when it first came out around me was talking about it so i yeah. thought it was a big deal when it came out i was like oh so this is a thing like, yes, this is I, like the next game of i Thrones. love that what you we're concerned with isn't oh so the witch is a thing and not your dog can speak <laughs> okay okay no, i'm down no, he just likes watching henry cavill yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't you know <laughs> so but yeah no i mean that's the thing is like and then i remember i don't remember the concrete numbers but i remember they listed their at one point they listed their top 10 most watched original series of all time and Witcher was in the top 10, and I think in the top five of them, in terms of like when Netflix released an original series, like the, the, the cream of the crop in terms of their massive viewership. And yeah, I mean, video games are a tremendously, well, to the, the, the book series is, is, uh, 
I, as I understand it, very popular. The video game series is wildly popular, so it's it stands to reason that there's going to be this, uh, you know, this thing as well. I guess you know, not to not to belabor too much on on episode five. Episode five narratively is is fine. I think it's I think it's really great. Um, episode six, um, I I felt like in the first ten minutes, I was like, oh dang, they they've they've got me now. Like, oh, a, a hunt for a dragon, I'm in. Like, this is going to be so great. Um, but then much of the episode sort of plays out somewhat differently, and then you don't really get the dragons until kind of the end. And even when you get them, they're they're not quite what you were what you were really expecting. I will say though that in episode six, and Blake, you won't you won't quite connect to this because of just reading the Wikipedia entry, but. The actor who plays Borscht Three Jackdaws, which is 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 the character's right. Bless you. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the actor who plays him is named Ron Cook. He's a, a a character actor that goes way way back into like the seventies. And his presence, just sort of from acting pedigree, is really really strong. He was one of my favorite parts of this entire show for just the few moments he was on screen in episode six. Um, I just really loved his his contribution to the story. Um, in general, six didn't quite for me re- reclaim the elements of like my my excitement and entertainment around episodes three and four, but it was at least a a little bit step up and and I did like genuinely and authentically liked the tension and character stuff they did at the end of six, where they're like severing yeah. severing some of the relationships. They're establishing tension between like the stakes of the world, the broader world. So I genuinely enjoyed that and thought, okay, this is the kind of ramp up we need for the last two episodes to to take us into wherever this series is going to land. The season is is going to land, I would imagine. I was, I kind of, you know, you you invoked the Game of Thrones reference there, Reed, and 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 it's interesting, you know, anyone, any Witcher fan trying to pitch the Witcher to, um. Pitch the Witcher. <laughs> Pitch the Witcher. Pitch. Pitch the Witcher the Sandwich. Um uh would probably invoke Game of Thrones. What's interesting though, because <clears throat> I was just scanning my notes here, and I do like that Yennefer's motivation is somehow a regaining of this fertility she traded. Right. Right. For, you know, kind of non disfigurement. And there's a word world that's a really fascinating motivation. Sure. But I don't know that the show lets lets that breathe. And I I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly other than I think I think what I'm trying to say is I'm interested in the story. Sometimes the storytelling leaves something to be desired for me. Sure. Um, right. If that makes any sense. No, it um, does because like I, I mentioned last week talking about the emotional arcs that don't quite like there are episodes because the the moment that Yennefer needs to reclaim or that that she sort of pivots Where's she from? Uh from what is the name of her Man, I was trying to set you up for a good joke there. Yennefer from Oh, from er, Vanderberg. <laughs> I love the 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 progression there of oh right and then you dropped into the accent and then you did it yeah, it was really cute a, no, I loved it oh no, great good I'm glad I could entertain Jennifer uh, Vanderberg Jennifer Vanderberg but um the uh so the portal plot line in episode four I believe <laughs> where you know with um what I called Psycho Jiminy Cricket but basically like where she's trying to run away from the 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 creature that's trying to kill them but. That's when when she's unable to save the baby and the baby dies right. in, in her arms. That's the moment, which 
taken in isolation, actor is performing at peak level. That that actor that plays Yennefer really is a very strong performer and and emitting an, an incredible range. But then um, that is couched in the midst of the momentarily far more compelling story of what's happening at the banquet with Geralt. Right. And so to me, it's like you're throwing so much at me that I that it's difficult to anchor into certain key pieces that you yes. need me to carry over from right. place to place. Like I'll say this about the Siri plotline. I'm at episode six right now. As of this recording, I have not seen episode seven and eight. I could not care less about Siri. Maybe I will by the time season one has ended. Maybe I will. But at this stage, I could not care less about what is happening with Siri. I was really interested in the very first episode where I was like, okay, you know, this this little child is going to be like this destiny thing that Geralt is going to. But then the most we've gotten from her is like she, you know, snuck into that forest and almost got killed a couple of times. And everybody keeps talking about how she's the big destiny and she's the big deal. But I don't see any of that yet. And then you get freaking mystical tree at the end of can't remember what episode which comes in and is like i am group <laughs> yeah that felt very <laughs> it felt very odd yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she stands before the tree not your story yeah Groot. not, not your, your story, story. Yeah. Not your story. <laughs> Groot's like i am Groot. Yeah. i am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny but no but Thank like you. the tree was like <laughs> The tree was all like, you know, like, who, you know, what are you, girl? Or, who, you know, who are you, girl? And that's really interesting. I, I saw a behind-the-scenes thing where the, the creators have literally said, like, yeah, so we're going to play that out throughout the series. We will not get the answer of what that tree is for probably a while because they well, plan to hold it back. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's just like a minute scene, right? Like it just oh, happens at the end of an episode. Seconds. Yeah, it happens yeah, right yeah, at the yeah. end of right at the end of an episode. And so it's like moments like that. What's really funny about what just happened is I worried I had fallen asleep, so I was trying to pad <laughs> the amount of time that it might have been on screen. So I was like, it's like a minute, right? I remembered no. it being like 15 seconds, though. <laughs> no, it was only that. And so again, I haven't seen episode seven and eight, which we will. Maybe I will feel differently about the Siri plotline. Blake I'm, won't. No, he Wikipedia, but um, <laughs> but but like Geralt, Geralt's plotline, I'm I'm tracking, I'm following. I think Henry Cavill's doing some great work, and and I'm I'm tracking that plotline. Yennefer, they've got me sold in on it, despite my my commentary about how much of Episode Five sort of, you know, disconnected me in some ways. Um, I'm I'm in on Yennefer. Um, at the Siri plotline, I just I I can't buy into yet, and I think part of it is because they have chosen. They took a gamble, and credit for boldness, but they took a gamble to tell these three plot lines concurrently, but not, you know, with any sense of well, I shouldn't say any sense, not with a coherent sense of comparable emotional beats. Sometimes we focus a, a ton on Geralt and minimally on somebody else and then and and that is sort of difficult to anchor into in the rhythm of the series for me well and as a last note kind of on a technical level the the wikipedia stuff that does outline the timetable where siri is in the story now is only a year ahead of where we leave Geralt and yennefer and so i imagine the next episode there's going to be some finally some connecting points there. Yeah. Um, Cause well, and to your point, Reed, you referenced this last week. If I hadn't been told by the internet and what the one or two people I knew that had watched this about the divergent timelines, I wouldn't have known explicitly until a, the banquet 
Right. But before the banquet, because that's the same episode. That's what it is. At the top of that episode, episode four, uh, when Yennefer is with that queen and the baby, Mm -hmm. she says, I've been the mage here for 30 years or something. Like, oh, there it is. Right. Yes. But that's like the most we had gotten up until that point. It was clearly tracking different sort of chronologies. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, decent, decent pair of episodes. Yeah. Gooseberries, you know. So, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you have enjoyed this trip. Strapes through the field of lilacs, maybe through the field of gooseberries, but most appropriately, through the field of dingleberries. <laughs> Man. Saying, saying that word in a really deep voice uh-huh. is somewhat strange, but, but here we are at the continent, continental dingleberry. Breakfast. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop now yeah. and say that we'll see you next time on hashtag TV Guideposts. TV Guideposts. I'm tired now. Whew. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you're, when you have the law of surprise on your side, the law you of surprise. Oh, surprise, boy. surprise. <laughs> I read about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. In the face of the inevitable, Cirilla, good leaders should always choose mercy. In the future, you will be wise to do the same. Laszlo, bring her cloak. Continue to be brave. Promise me, you are the lion cub of Sintra. You are destined for I can't great do this without things. you. We must go, Your intersection of faith and fear where every week and especially this year and especially today we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the fear of god speaking to you right now is one of your hosts nathan rouse and typically with me is longtime chum reed lackey and he was here but he said he had to go let a hedgehog into his court <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, so yeah, you already you already kind of here we are at the end of this long We're journey here. through the continent. Uh, we are uh, going to be talking about episode seven. I feel like there's eight. a joke somewhere in there about incontinent. I I've been <laughs> racking my brain for it though. I can't, I can't find it. So maybe she listeners can on him, girl. <laughs> oh. Six, Sixty years of majory and never pooped on me before oh my gosh so uh yeah so. <laughs> uh 
So, Reed, we need to address our the person uh one Mr. Jacob Sane who offered us The Witcher because we we're not doing a watcha. No, we're not doing a watcha. No watcha for The Witcher. No watcha for The Witcher because we're the Watcher Wednesdays, so uh He's like, watcha. You know, what do you think about that? <laughs> so, um as as we have been prone to do, we uh, it, when we didn't have the submitter on the show to talk about themselves, we invited them to record their own voice, uh, sharing their submission with us, which has been a really lot a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, listeners have had that as well. It's probably a little anxiety inducing hearing yourself, but Jacob uh, had given us quite a substantial pitch for The Witcher. So um, I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to go refresh my drink. Uh, so take it away, Jacob. Hey, Reed. Hey, Nathan. Hello, fellow foggers. Uh, first off, I just wanted to say thank you for covering The Witcher. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And to my fellow listeners out there, if you've been along for the ride and jumped in headfirst without knowing what you were getting into, you know, God bless you. Um, I've definitely enjoyed listening to everyone and hearing Reed and Nathan find their way through the continent. They asked me to send this recording of my original submission, and I'm just going to read it exactly like I wrote it. Okay, here it goes. Here's my pitch for The Witcher. My pitcher? Whatever. I know it's a TV series, but with just one season on Netflix, I think it's pretty accessible. It's also likely not the scariest submission you will receive, but I think it has some good substantive meat on its bones and enough frightening images to qualify. From a classic creature feature perspective, you really do get some gnarly sights and ghastly frights. The monsters have a wonderful aesthetic, but it's Geralt that scares people. Witchers are inhuman, you see. And while they are tolerated, they're certainly not accepted by the common folk. They take money to do a job, namely kill monsters, but at the end of the day, they are not welcome in the ordinary lives of the average man. So here we have a societal scare. Do we only accept those who are different from us as long as they are useful and earn their keep? Should a minority have to have exceptional skills just to be one of us? It makes me think, what if I were marked or different in some way? I'm not sure I'd be able to go above and beyond just to prove I'm equal to those around me. Secondly, what scares me in The Witcher is the idea that our fates are inevitable. Geralt is very callous towards the notion of fate or destiny when we first meet him, but by the end of Season 1, he is forced to acknowledge that a certain fate is inescapable for him, for better or worse. Words like predeterminism and Calvinism come to mind. What's scarier, an inevitable conclusion to our lives no matter what we do, or the weight of consequence that comes with the freedom of our actions. Fate, while certainly intimidating, can in some ways absolve us of our choices. Freedom, on the other hand, is downright paralyzing when we aren't prepared to accept the mantle of responsibility. Regardless, these are a few takeaways I had from The Witcher. Even if you never end up covering it on the fog, I do hope you'll give the show a chance and find some enjoyment out of Henry Cavill slicing up beasties. Thanks again, everyone. Reed, Nathan, I leave The Witcher in your hands. Thank you, Jacob, for your offering and for 
uh, introducing us to the continent where uh, uh, the top song on the pop charts is put another nickel in, in that Nickelodeon. Wow. All they ever want to do is hire a witch or a witch or a witch. Oh my God. Woo. Read. Oh, it's just the all magic. singing, all dancing version these days of the fear of God. <laughs> I suppose so. It ain't that yeah. bad though. It ain't that bad though. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Okay. Do we like, we've been prone in recent weeks to, take scary moments from the thing and just sort of like make a little game out of it. But that's hard to do in a TV show. You got any thoughts on that? It's true. Well, it's no, I do. I've got you, a thought. You, oh, I, you, I appreciate that rather organic toss. You just really made I for just, me uh, because you know what? I'm going to just, I'm, I'm just going to go for it and be like, those ain't right. They ain't right. Them ain't right. Those ain't right. Because on this, installment read these ain't uh, right that- <laughs> 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 all of them witches all of them monsters oh lord have mercy <laughs> wow um so no we're not gonna do scary scenes read this oh, installment because okay, okay because something that is um and look you'll love this i've actually got a handwritten <laughs> card here where did you find a pen i don't think that i didn't uh, think they make those anymore yeah, it's yeah. all Turns keyboards out it was and... quill it's quill and ink oh uh, wow I went witcher, winter, witcher times wow um <laughs> no but endemic to the mythos of the witcher mm. is that he is a monster hunter yes and so Actually, something that is present throughout the season one of the Witch of Netflix's The Witcher. Let's be sure you add that there. Um, because there are multiple iterations of Witchers. There's the books, there's the games, there's the Netflix show. Mm. Funny story. I was mm. recently at my fellow vaccinated buddy Stephen Scraggrove's house ah. and his wife was playing a video game. And I was like, What you playing? What you? I was like, what you, what, what you playing? What you playing? Uh, oh my gosh. And she was like, oh, it's The Witcher. I was like, oh, 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 oh what? <laughs> and she was, I, I stood there and watched. And I was like, no, who is that? Because I could tell who Geralt was, though he was no cavil, let's be clear. Um, <laughs> but he's Specimen talking to somebody. In real life. And she's like, she's like, that's my vampire friend. I was like, nope. Oh. That sounds right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so in the spirit of the vampire friend present in apparently The Witcher 3, which mm. I, I really have no idea what I'm talking about. And uh, me, I, me either. Me either. <laughs> uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to catalog for you real quickly the oh. monsters of yeah, The Witcher Season 1. I feel okay. like okay. I feel like I've hit uh, – I'm, I'm entering Witcher school. Okay. Because yeah. – I watched a video today to figure out what were all the monsters mm. in season one so that mm. we could, mm. those ain't right with the oh, monsters. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going right. to tell you the monsters that show up. Mm. And if I remember, I'll give you a little note on it. So uh, the first monster we encounter is in the very first scene. And as you alluded to a few weeks ago, that is the Sp- spider. Kikimura. No, it's yes. a Kikimura. That's right. Yes, it's a Kikimura. Yes, yes. Yeah, in episode one. Not Spider Pig. Uh, it's it's the big Kikimura. spider yeah. monster. Yes. <laughs> Sick dog. Loaf of bread. Um, oh. <laughs> System error. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the Kikimura. Um, in episode two mm. is the horned goat thing, which is called a Sylvan. Sylvan. Yes. Okay. All right. And that is the episode I, I was during. I but, was almost... 
I thought you were saying that was the horned goat thing. I was like, oh, they just, the they, just gave, they just gave up and just called it the horned goat thing. <laughs> yes. But no, it's the Sylvan. Okay, no. all right, it's the Sylvan. Yeah, look upon the horned goat <laughs> of of the continent. <laughs> right, it's like the most generic names we can find. <laughs> well, everything else. Like, oh no, no, that's not a spider. That's a kikimora. You know, yeah. But that's uh, a, what's uh, a horned goat? Well, I mean, it's a <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got the kikimora. <laughs> yeah. Now what is that thing? Uh, <laughs> The horned goat. It's a, it's a horned goat. Uh, oh, oh, I thought really nothing fancy. Right, right. It's, it's like oh, Robocop. No. It's like, uh huh. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. So you got the Kikamori. You got the Sylvan. Okay. You have the Striga, which you'll remember. Striga. <laughs> Striga. <laughs> uh, which is the cursed female, mm. and they are predominantly females in the world of The Witcher. Are Strigas? This one particularly was cursed pre-birth so she right. was, she That's came right. into the world a struggle um then you have what actually this video which was pooling pooling pulling <laughs> from all <laughs> See, I'm, it's, it's, it was pooling it was pooling <laughs> it was pooling from zubichu <laughs> so so the next beastie is the ant monster thing the Psycho Jiminy Cricket. That Psycho you Jiminy to. Cricket. They yeah. actually said I'm still they cited this as unknown. They did suggest it's possibly an Endraga. <laughs> Endraga. Endraga. <laughs> I prefer Psycho Jiminy Cricket. Kikamora. <laughs> uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out here. Oh. They included this as a monster. So this is not me okay. being a horned goat. They <laughs> threw Dooney the Hedgehog. In oh okay the list right. of monsters all right you all know, right so. Dooney the Hedgehog <laughs> Sonic <laughs> Sonic, Sonic and Knuckles, Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic and Knuckles like you know yeah his uh, oh. ousted cousin yeah 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 Dooney's all, right. all like well I want a ring <laughs> anyway <laughs> then you have the Doppler which is yeah, not okay, to be Doppler. confused yeah, yeah. with the German family in the TV show Dark um, but that Good is the shapeshifter mm-hmm. thank you the shapeshifter. Um, the it's not most, called a Doppler. It's called a shapeshifter. Or it's, well, no, I'm I'm articulating what the type of monster it. is. Like yeah, the horned yeah. goat is called a Sylvan. No, <laughs> the shapeshifter is called a Doppler. However, this is a true story, true fact here from the world of the Witcher. I'm telling you, no, I am become. I'm on my way to being a you're meister. There, you're there, in oh. Witcherdom. Um, the most famous Doppler in Witcher lore is. I'm not making this up. His name is Doodoo. <laughs> Which makes sense on the incontinent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) doo-doo. Takes whatever shape it needs to. (laughs) But still can't get rid of the smell. (laughs) All shapes and sizes. You know your Dopplers. Um, Next next on the list, with not nearly as fun a name, is the Jinn. Yeah, who who are was articulated in the video I watch as as one of the most powerful entities in Witcherdom makes um, sense. Sure, I did not remember this until I saw the footage in the video here, but the it's called a Harika. Now the Harika, Harika, it's a it's a it's a blink and you miss it, but it's the tall hairy golem thing in the yeah the one that yeah. they unceremoniously butcher because yeah, all he all he wants is uh, some food. 
I mean, the Witcher I, even that, said in there, like, Geralt yeah. even said, like, if we'd fed him, he would go away. You crazy people. So, well, that was y- that was Jennifer's Lancelot that did that, right? Yeah, yeah. Psh, yeah. Doo-doo and then the he Doppler. got, <laughs> and then he got, he got, he got indigestion. He's got yeah, it. he did. He, yeah, did. he, he, got, he got some. some... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the final two here are the dragons, of course, which mm. are just you know the beasts, and then. Uh, they say that, or this person in this YouTube video I watched, which was a learned video, they were further along in their Witcher studies than I am. They implied the potential that the creatures that attack Geralt in seven, I think. Mm. Yes. Okay. Are, no, that's the top of eight. I don't know. It's the top of Um, eight. The ones that bite him on the leg. Yes. Yes. He said they might be ghouls. Yeah. Ghouls. No, I just, did you just make that up? Did you just I, say that? I did not make did that, that up. No, okay. I just <laughs> now. However, he said ghouls in Witcher lore do typically um, uh, attack from beneath the earth, like they they burrow, mm. but they don't have a sort of poison bite like what happens to Witcher. And, Interesting. And okay. This gentleman was speculating was that made up for the show. So he should Sarit, call somebody. Quick reiteration again. Um, Kikamora, Sylvan, the Horned Goat, the Striga, the Ant Monster, uh, Dooney the Hedgehog, Doppler Doodoo, Jin, Hirika, Dragons, and Ghouls. Okay? I'm going to start with you. What is... If you were to quickly in your brain make a three yeah. to one, in... and on this game we go top to bottom, right? Like it's it's you know we okay, sure, yep, yeah, you yep. you pick your worst, pick your poison. Okay, so uh, so. what is the mo- most monstrous? Already know my worst, man, Striga. Like freaking, like in terms of creature design, in terms of frights, in terms of power, strength, intimidation. Um, I still think. Now that I've seen it all, I think my favorite episode of the series was episode three. Huh. Um, I think that whole plot line of Geralt versus the Stig- Striga uh, really just was very galvanizing in a lot of ways. But that creature design is just terrifying. Some of those shots where the Striga is like running at him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So my worst. Well, and I didn't do the research to know this. So, <laughs> you know, it's surely an authoritative statement. But, um, <laughs> It appears to be pretty practical effects in it a sure decent seems to be. portion yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's probably some digital enhancement. Yeah. I got to be honest. I think, I think mine, you know, he deserves it, but I'm not going to put Dooney there just because I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, but I really am not a Dooney fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just playing. I'm just playing. Hedge- hedgehogs of the world. You can rest easy. Um, for me, it's the it's the ant monster. That thing was yeah, wicked. Si- yeah, Psycho Jiminy Cricket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. This is gnarly. What is Jiminy Cricket's song? Uh, song? When You Wish Upon a Star. Mm. Yeah. When You Kill a Yennefer. <laughs> <laughs> or a Yennefer. A Yennefer, Divine Bark. Um, yes. But yes, that, yeah, that thing was... I would gnarly. Well, I won't say that because you might put it as your, your third one here, but no, there's you, another... But you, the, well, I would I would have maybe picked the Kikamora, mm. but I think visually that thing is so arresting and the way it's lit in the episode it shows up in, it's yeah. very intimidating and monstrous and it it 
it's it's a very quick register of like okay right. that thing i do not want near me yeah and it's know? freaking fast yeah like it yeah. it goes for you like it's just yeah no uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. uh-uh. and i mean that whole thing about it that that moment in that episode that whole thing about like you know jumping portals to get away from it but mm-hmm. it's just like yeah like you've got to open that portal and you've got to jump through before it gets down there and man that sucker is just like fast and vicious and brutal and yeah dude freaking good choice good choice okay do you have a third dude, are you I done? do i do okay um <laughs> so no doo 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 is not my is not my third choice uh no it's i'm going to i guess i guess we'll call them ghouls first choice um okay the, those things, I mean, that's, like, there's a couple of shots. They're not in it for long. I mean, they're in it for, like, you know, what, the first five minutes of the top of episode eight. But, man, mm-hmm. that's pretty, like, when they when they pop up and everything. I mean, we've seen plenty of zombie-like creatures in this, the run of this podcast. But those ghouls are very, I mean, they've got this, like, lit eyes. And it's, yeah. and then there's, you know, like, their mouths are all, like, uh, sharp fanged, obviously like gaping. Uh, but then they're they look quite skeletal mm-hmm. in terms of their general sort of slight frame. Uh, and then yeah, the burrowing under the ground and everything. There's a little bit so, of Stalfos yeah. energy going on there. Do you know what a Stalfos is? Reed? I don't. Wow. Really know. I don't know what a Stalfos. You might struggle is. with that one. Which yeah. not that is not a, a derisive comment towards your knowledge base. What's other a than st- I just a Stalfos is the skeletons in Zelda. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No. I just my my Zelda lore knowledge is okay. I walk up here, I um, I poke that thing. Someone out there is along with me on this. Yeah. The one. No, there's more. <laughs> no, no, no. Somebody. 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 I need someone on Facebook in the group to be like, <laughs> I got you, Nathan. <laughs> like, I yeah, yeah. I was there. I was with you. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Those are those are my top three of... Uh, those ain't right. Those, those ain't right. right. Those, those ain't right. right. Doodoo ain't right. <laughs> Dude, doo-doo ain't right. <laughs> doo-doo ain't right. Doppler is doo-doo. What were they thinking? You I know, know there were man. some people making up that thing that were just like... <laughs> Do do. Let's see if this flies. And then somebody's yeah. just like, I don't oh. care. I've signed enough checks. We're, we're just gonna write this. Term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flung doo doo. Oh, oh man. Okay. So yes. Mm. So I think we should probably. Here, here's what I want to say. What? What? What, it, do you what? Do? what are you? Do? No. What? What are you doing? No. All I was gonna. What do you want to say? Because I was about to ask something. Well, go ahead. That's no, not you a ask question. It. So, oh, it's a question because those get asked. But yeah. Um. In general, we In finished gen- this this season. Yes, and I'll I'll answer for myself uh, okay. while you ponder, and also because I want to take some of the venom out uh, hmm. or the concerns of venom. Um, in general, what are your feelings on season one of The Witcher, having completed it now? And I will say, for me, I think I'll I'll frame it this way. Towards the end, seven and eight did a lot to raise yeah. the tide to the point that that for a split second, I was like, would I rewatch this to see how I assess oh, I it again? Right. I'm not, 
<laughs> but I did have the, the thought. The answer to that is no. But. <laughs> right. But not out of malice. In this case, it was simply who's got the time for that. <laughs> um, but once notes like, oh, Geralt is in the, in the, in the cell at the bottom of Sintra so cool. at the sacking of Sintra. I was like, okay, that, now that's cool. That's that cool. Really I like cool. it. So yeah, seven and eight did a lot to raise the tide for me on my general attitude towards the show. Um, I, to the point that, you know, who knows if we'll end up covering it on the podcast or not, but I, it, it, it raised the bar enough that I'd be like, okay, I'm kind of down for whatever's next, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and mildly energized towards when that happens. So yeah, sure. that, that's my sort of, uh, assessment at the last of season one of the Witcher. What about you? So a very similar place. One more note about Geralt sitting in the cell. I should have remembered this. I didn't remember it until they come back to check on him and find him empty that we saw that scene in episode one that we saw them come down and look at an empty cell. But I didn't know mm. at that at that moment, I didn't know what that meant, you know, but that moment is in episode one where they come down and they look at the cell and I, you know, yeah, yeah sure. But um, I remember when they started sacking Sentra and I was like, oh, man. And then it it, it pivoted to Geralt in that you know, sort of cage, I was like, oh, this is cool. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that. And so I think like, to your point, I think seven really elevated the energy a lot. Like it was a great ramp up. Um, We can maybe get into some more details in general, but to answer your question directly, my one major, I have two, two. I have two major sort of beefs with season one as a whole. Hmm. I will lead with those and then end on my overall feelings, which are generally positive. So my two major beefs with the show is I think in this season, the only reason to care about Siri is because the show repeatedly tells me to. There's nothing mm-hmm. narratively to yeah. make me care about Siri. And that disappointed me because I hoped by the end that I would. Um, so that's that's one major beef because we spend a decent amount of time with her. But other than her t- our time spent with her in episode one, I never really cared after that. So um, so that's one thing. You are heartless, though. Is, wow. Well, I'm okay. just kidding. Do do the Doppler there sitting there. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, th- my second, uh, sort of beef with it, this is probably going to sound a little bit odd, but the way that they ended this season feels to me, I'm going to say it the way I thought it. It felt to me like they ended the season on their next to last episode. I did not feel that it was terribly resolved i felt like it was very much like you know the the yennefer plot line differently like the the yennefer thing i feel like had a really strong arc some really good stuff i loved a lot of where they took her in episode seven and episode eight like it really wound up being some of my favorite moments of the season uh Mm -hmm. revolving around her in sort of coming into her own and stepping up as the mage to kind of be protective and fight the fight uh just some great moments uh performance wise some great moments visually speaking um and so anyway but i felt like i i really kind of kind of got quite moved when Geralt and siri finally find each other and they hug and everything i was like oh cool cool this is great but then I'm just going to tell it like it is like then like they hug, they embrace. This has been the resolution of everything. And then Geralt says the most obvious thing on top of like people with destinies will find each other. Like 
I, I felt like this was like the voiceover narration on on that moment, and then uh, Siri pulls back and it's just like, "Who's Yennefer?" And then cut to the credits, and I was like, "What? This is so a setup for what's coming in season two. And so that w- so I'm listing that as a complaint, but it pivots into something else, and this is why I wanted to end this way. Is yeah, I feel like the season kind of ended on its next to last episode. That having been said, when season two drops which it will later this year in the fall, I will probably, whether we're covering it or not, queue it up and see where the story goes because it did sort of leave me wanting more. I felt a bit frustrated in the fact that it felt a bit unformed in its its whole narrative complexity. I liked the way everything was was pulling together, but I feel like the only really comprehensible and substantive arc that this season gives us is Yennefer's. They're playing around mm-hmm. with a lot of other interesting things, particularly with Geralt, but in terms of just like a a cohesive, emotionally rich and satisfying story, it's Yennefer. Like, we start with her at her lowest point, we end with her in a moment of profound self-sacrificial triumph. So, and and I don't get the impression that she's like dead at the end, she's just, she's vanished and I'm sure the show will tell us what that means or where she is. Um, But, uh, you know, it's a really good arc of narrative and a good arc of character. They take them through some highs, some lows, uh, some bad choices, coming back around to redemptive choices. So, so anchoring in the character of Yennefer, I feel like that's where the show really does right by her. Episode five and all the nakedness notwithstanding, I feel like that character just in general, they, the, that's why, what I mean when I say like really do right by her, you sure. know, there's still like an asterisk on that one episode, but everywhere else, like there's a ton Emphasis of, on ass. What? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so those are my feelings about season one of the Witcher. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for as ambivalent as I was at the start of the season and fair honesty because like you i am i don't i wouldn't say catapulted but i am propelled into whatever's next with some interest yeah but absolutely yeah in full transparency after two after episode two i was like reed uh, are we on are we in it are we are we (laughs) on the continent yet yeah 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 uh just because i had no idea and it was very confusing um so what you want to do do you want to just jump into seven and eight and kind of Talk a little bit about the yeah. content of those. So what I will say is that in many ways, seven and eight feel like a two-part episode as opposed to two distinct episodes. So I think it's fair. Uh, listeners might have been a little bit frustrated that we shunted episode seven to uh, this conversation as opposed to covering it last. There were a couple of different reasons for that. Uh, primarily, the reason was to give a lot of time to to talk about Candyman, which, as y'all heard, was a lengthy conversation. The secondary reason of that is that I really do feel like seven and eight are a singular piece. Um, so as we're talking about sort of specifics and everything, I, I mentioned already, I did like quite a bit the stuff that they were doing with Geralt, specifically in eight, um, but in both of these episodes, with just his connecting to an emotional landscape, because witchers apparently are supposed to have, like, no emotional ties, no emotional real estate. Um, so the fact that he's experiencing so much, like, devotion and even regret over, you know, the the apparent demise of Siri, culminating in... Do you, um, this is going to seem like a weird comparison, but you remember Man on Fire, the Denzel Washington film? Mm-hmm. And I remember 
it not registering because I think the trailers had given away that the girl was still alive in that movie. But I remember it not registering until like after reflection that as Denzel Washington character, Denzel Washington's character is moving through his vengeance. He thinks the little girl that he's taking revenge mm-hmm. on is dead. Mm-hmm. And so then when in the moment towards the end of that film where he, you know, sees that she is not dead and the emotional reaction that he has to that is, is pretty affecting and pretty profound. bear. Yep. <laughs> not to, not to get into, you know, all the specifics of Man on Fire, which we're not talking about, but I had a, a comparable sort of connecting point with Geralt in this that mm. I knew series alive, but he's going through this and I'm seeing the look on his face and I'm seeing like his sort of despair to everything that he feels he has, tr- you know, tremendously failed. He's failed this girl and maybe failed, you know, his vows and maybe failed just as a, a, a being uh, that he's he's lacked his purpose. Um, and so I really liked where they did in that moment. Then they take him to kind of his lowest place and take him back to what started this all, which I have to confess is is a little confusing. I had to do a little bit of homework after the fact to really sort of touch on what was happening with uh, his mom and mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, basically that his mom had left him on the doorstep of that that place or, you know, just sort of abandoned him out there where that's where he eventually became a witcher and uh, him reflecting on all of those different things and then confronting her, albeit in a dreamlike vision. um, I thought that was all really strong. And I liked that a lot. Getting back to why I had mentioned man on fire when he hears about the girl in the woods and you see the look on his face, you know, Cavill's performance and Geralt as a character, you see that. And then he goes charging off in the woods to find her. I think that's what, really propels that moment and makes it substantive when they finally do see each other and, and embrace. I didn't quite know why Siri knew him. Did you know why Siri knew him? Why Siri knew who he was? Do you think she just felt well, she it? Was told by she was told, but they... she'd never seen what he looked like. Oh, well, yeah, but by the same token, why is she asking about Yennefer? How would she have known her? That's a, that, yep, I'm sold. That's done. <laughs> yep, yep, that's it. I mean, yep. other than her, other than her, you know, communing with Groot, I don't know wow. how she knows half the things she knows. No, that's a good point, though. I had I had forgotten, or maybe the show didn't firmly tell me very well that that she yeah has this inciting uh, knowledge. Um, so well, but but, yeah. but and I think there's a legitimate question there about her knowledge of Jennifer, and not that your question is illegitimate, but what I wonder is based on what we've seen in the TV show so far, Geralt is the only Witcher we've seen now. Second, are they? Huh? Who else? Oh, yeah. The, the Witcher the, got the killed by the Striga in episode three. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to articulate there is, is there a certain armament, a certain demeanor, a certain sigil that visually conjures them as Witchers? Thus, would she mm. see him, Geralt, and know, oh, that's the Witcher. That's the one I've been told. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder. Yeah, maybe. I, but, but again, I think it's a fair critique that... There's a lot for for all the show does relay. There's a lot that it kind of leaves obscured. Sure, I'm just right. kind of filling in the puzzle, filling in the blanks on yeah. my own. Because I knew why he knew her. Because one of my favorite parts about Seven is when they're going back and showing like the parts of the same scenes that we didn't see. Uh-huh. So like when she's playing the game out in the city and doesn't realize that he's watching her from the doorway. And, you know, so that game in the city was, again, in episode one, but we never were shown that he was watching her from the doorway. And that's how he realized that um, 
Calamity had tried yeah. to yeah had tried to pull a fast one and 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 present him with somebody that was not uh, the princess. So um, so he knew Siri clearly. And they were like, "I'm sorry, Geralt, but your princess is in another castle." I'm so happy you did that. It was great. It was great. Um, but uh, but yeah. So again, like like really enjoyed all of that. But I have some most of my complaints that I would lever at the show mostly involve laudable, bold, creative narrative choices that I don't think landed as well as I would have wanted them to for me. But I applaud their creativity. I applaud their their risk taking. Um, it just did not land as well for me as I suspected it would. Um, you know what's funny though is uh, I did look up the article that I alluded to. I think a, a couple of episodes ago, where I was talking about like, oh yeah, it's one of the most watched uh, shows when Netflix. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, when Netflix I released, it's their number one most watched well, TV show, original TV show. Okay, that's not the factoid I thought you were about to drop. Because I did screenshot this, uh, oh. and I'm glad you said that because I had forgotten. But let's 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 be savvy consumers and discerners of of press releases, because yeah. you'll remember circa Bird Box, Bird Box, that you know, oh, it has like um, you know, most watched movie in Netflix's history. Oh. But the metric, about the two minute thing. That's where I'm going with this. Is yeah. Previously to that, uh, it was if they watched something for so long, like that yeah. counted as a view. Well, they had to watch seventy five percent of it. Yeah, yeah. Netflix recently changed its viewership metric from seventy percent of an episode under the previous down to two minutes under the new metric. The new metric gives viewing figures thirty five percent higher on average than the previous one. Yeah, so like it says then this is on the Wikipedia for the uh pay for the show, the seventy six million views in its first month based on the new metric mm, is the yeah. largest for a Netflix series launch since because listen, I don't want to take away from the fan base of The Witcher. Absolutely I do not, think yeah. what a joke of a metric. <laughs> yeah, two I minutes. mean really yeah, I get it. Yeah, come yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. That's an accident. That's right. That's, You're like, wait, wait a second. This ain't. I thought I was watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> this ain't. This ain't Man of Steel. What am I doing? This ain't. What is this? <laughs> right, right, right. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I you know, it, it's not a moment to get into a conversation about big tech and the lies they feed to us. But <laughs> Mitchell's versus come, machines. Come on, you know, like yeah. the metric by which we determine if a person watches thing is if they watch two minutes of an hour long TV show. Oh, they watch right. it. That counts. That, that's they clicked on it. They clicked on it. And I mean, I will say that I think there's validity to a metric of how are you marketing it such that people want to click on it, and that's perfectly fine. But if you're going to talk about viewership, two minutes is not substantial. Right. Two minutes is enough time to give up on your show. That's that's like, that's like if you want to use that metric, use it for episodes of Bluey on Disney Plus. Yeah, because that's a third of the show. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, two minutes is okay. a third of its runtime. Okay. Yeah, and if yeah, you're yeah. only watching two minutes of Bluey, what is really wrong with you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who are you really? Finish that stuff. Yes, uh, but yeah, if you're Finish watching two it. two minutes of The Witcher, that's the that's person the who's like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's the Kikamora. Like you watch the Kikamora scene and said, I'm out. Yeah. yeah, and then like that'd be the end of it. Well, I saw The Witcher. I saw that one. You know, spider spider baby. Um. So yeah, I mean, but but I mean. I do think, again, to your point, that's not to take away from the substantive fan base that it does. Yeah. I mean, because 
I've seen metrics before where like objective metrics of all of pop culture where they talk about like just the mass amount of money that games make. Like I'm not into this like I was when I had the NES. So but like evidently I mean you know that was 35 years ago, right? No. Yeah, I know. It's good times. <laughs> so um but no where I'm going with this is that uh, like I'm not really attuned to what the latest and greatest hottest game and game system is because i'm just not that's just not my it's not my bag um so when people tell me oh yes you know metal gear solid or whatever is the most popular selling piece of entertainment in history or whatever it is um that that overwhelms me a bit because i'm like really i'm just not i'm not part of that well, it's funny. You keep bringing these up, these things I thought about today, which is awesome that you're like in my brain. You're I'm occupying in your brain. space in my brain. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Because I thought about the video game thing comparison. Yeah. And there is a key difference, though, which is, well, it's probably multiples, but the one that came to me as I was pondering this today is like, there is a credible metric to say, I, I don't know if this is true, but like, as in like, oh, Witcher 3 is the the highest grossing video game of all time there's an easy way to measure that how yeah, many right. people bought the game thus yeah. regardless of whether they played it beginning to end yeah it was purchased they may never put it in right it was purchased netflix yeah. is operating under this super <laughs> shaky smoky smoke and mirrors kind of metric of like oh it's the most watched thing in the history of watched things it's like <laughs> well no two minutes of it is maybe but <laughs> Then Netflix upstates their metrics again, and and it's like if the word Witcher <laughs> appeared anywhere on social media, we count that as a view, and then yeah. it, and then it just moves yeah. to W. You oh, know, like the if the letter W viewed. appears, yeah, exactly, and it's like most oh, impressions yeah, is- ever in the history of impressions. <laughs> I, I, I'm best not impressed. ever. Yeah, I mean, like so, that's but- a cavalry reference. Is it? Oh yeah, that's right. From uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's right. Um, but now, but again, like getting back to the thing, like it's clear that it has. Because I will say this: ugh, pour a very, very stiff, hard drink out for Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance, which I thought was magnificent and deserved a second season. Magnificent. Um, that get canceled. It did. It got canceled after one season, despite winning an Emmy. So Netflix will not pony up the cash for something that's not, you know, driving subscriptions, driving legitimate viewerships, regardless of what metrics they're willing to publish. They will not fork over the cash for something that's not making them money. Uh, there may be some worlds where they're willing to fork over cash on a first season because who knows? Um, but once you, and maybe even for a second season because of like some interest or whatever, but, uh, they are now in the place right now where a sec, where a follow up season is no longer a guarantee with Netflix. Right. And since they're so, um, secretive about their measurements and metrics, I have to imagine the fact that we got Witcher season two so swiftly on the cusp of the other that yes, it is, it is probably a very, very high watched. Um, whatever they decide to publish on it, but it, it, it I'm sure it has a, a significant and substantial fan base. And again, like I think my discouragement with the film was the show. Sorry, with the show, I keep saying film. Um, but I think my discouragement with the show was how much work I had to do to keep pace with it. That is yeah. that is something that just sort of I was down for it. Um. And when the show 
you know, three or four times through the run of the season when the show swept me away. Episode three, particularly, I believe it's episode four in the banquet hall. Uh, lots of stuff in episode seven and eight. When the show swept me away, um, that was tremendous fun. It was great. I just, um, I do wish that I'd been able to just sort of like plug in. And that it would have been just like, oh yeah, this is fantastic. It's a, it's a show that I now can't wait to share with people and talk about. As it kind of stands, I'm, it's, it's basically probably going to come up in occasional conversation and be like, did you, did you see The Witcher? And they'll be like, oh no, I didn't. I'll be like, okay, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Oh, okay. Did, did, did you see, uh, something two minutes else? of it? You know? <laughs> did you see two, <laughs> two minutes of it? Cause if you did, you watched it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, I've shared some of my thoughts on seven and eight, but I haven't given you a chance to do so yourself. I mean, they're, they're going to be pretty similar, but it's funny because I keep, I don't love going back to this well over and over, but it's fans do, um, the Game of Thrones comparison and right. I'll, I'll do it this way. Here's an interesting inroad. Had we done a whatcha on this episode, what I might've thrown in is I just started the TV show lost with my two <laughs> oldest kids. Mm-hmm. And you and I on the show over the years have flirted with this type of conversation or this topic at least. And it, it just really begs looking at in light of, you know, these are, these are three very different on a certain level, similar on some levels, but game of Thrones, the Witcher lost. So we are seven episodes into season one of lost, Mm -hmm. uh, just finished, solitary which is saeed oh that's saeed right and and nadia's story and watching this is i don't remember the last time i restarted lost it's been a minute and knowing what i know about the show's production in the ensuing years since i first watched it i'm watching and because i'm watching with my kids i'm watching it with a different eye yeah certainly and it's just fascinating because you could and I'll add to that mix my opinion of J.J. Abrams these days uh, because he helped with the pilot and then kind of jumped ship for Mission Impossible. But it is very clear watching these first half a dozen plus episodes, they are treading narrative water mm. to tell character stories to figure out what their narrative is. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so all, and so the, why I throw that in the mix right here is a thing I, I, I miss in a general sense. I don't miss 20 plus episode uh, uh, seasons of television. Like, yeah, right. Life and time. That would be pretty intimidating these days, depending on what it is, depending on how compelling it is. But shows that got that format and formula right at least in large part your losts your x-files right teased out i don't even mean a mythology or a narrative i mean just character work mm. what i don't feel like i get predominantly i'm not even talking explicitly about the witcher what is hard to come by in modern tv storytelling is deep character work that helps me plug in helps me right. relate helps right. me understand mm-hmm. and of season one of the witcher i'll set it right against season whatever was it eight of game of thrones a much oh. more truncated now yeah. you, you just made a face which i don't disagree with 
but season eight of Game of Thrones compared to seasons one through seven of Game of Thrones is the problem. Season True. eight of Game of Thrones on it by itself, you might have been like, huh, that's kind of cool. Right. It was it was that it was the end of something that was much yeah. more thoughtful and paced that mm-hmm. it felt so disconnected. Right. I said this two or three episodes ago. I actually am interested in the story the Witcher was trying to tell. Mm. It was the storytelling that got in the way sometimes. And yeah, part sure. of that is just the fault of the medium and its current incarnation, which mm. is, oh, there's eight episodes that have to serve a lot of masters narratively. Right. And ultimately right. what happens is you get a whole lot of plot and mm. not a lot of really interesting kind of character stuff. And and so sure. to bring it back to sure. Lost, it's like, think about it. Like, the 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 version of lost you get is kind of the season one through seven game of thrones it's we don't Mm -hmm. totally know where this is going to land so we need to kind of hold at arm's reach right a a a a terminal point because we Mm -hmm. don't know so we're kind of it's not filler per se it kind of starts to feel that way at a certain point with lost I'll, i'll own that but it's not so much filler as much as it's just we we need to get creative and do the work of storytelling. Right, right of course. Which is yes. characters, why they do the things they do, mm-hmm. and why that matters to me as someone engaging in their stories. Right. And that is what gets really hard to find in something like The Witcher, which again is not solely the fault of the of the 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 friend the IP as much as it in this case is the fault of the format. Does that make yeah. sense at all? No, it, de- it definitely does. No, uh, it absolutely Such does. Such that, I'm sorry to cut you off. I really am no, sorry. No, you're but, okay. But this was the tail end of that. Because watching 7 and 8, and I would say the end of 7 and the bulk of 8 specifically, I was like, you know what? This is cool. This is cool mm. stuff that is relevant to earlier episodes that I didn't understand a lick of. So I right. didn't quite know how on earth I was supposed to consume it or process right. it or digest sure. it such that by the time it comes back around, I'm just like, oh, I remember that person. Oh, yeah. Fringilla. OK, wow. She's much more important than I even knew to understand. Yeah. You know, she's and, the one now I, and I ask an honest question. She's the one who like first tries and like the hand withers. Right. Isn't that the same bro, person? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were educated on the witch now. I thought you knew. Uh, no, no, I'm educated on the monsters, not on the mages. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Okay. All I yeah. knew is the name, and it keeps popping up. And so by the end, gotcha. you're like, oh, okay, to say, uh, and these. Yeah, that's all I'm trying to say is the show struggled for me to tell me why certain things mattered the way they did, so that when they come back, they're less cameos and more payoffs. Because okay. the way yeah, it materialized was, oh, cool to see some cameos here. When yeah. I think the story wants them to be payoffs, like this yeah, is the culmination. Yeah. Because let's let's jump into eight so that we have some uh, scaffolding here. Yeah, of course. I I don't remember the name of the town they're in. Seddon, Stratton, something right? Sodden. Okay, you know. Um. I kind of loved that whole set piece, which is effectively the entirety of episode eight. Yeah. Um, and a, a sort of question to you is what to you was the coolest execution of mageish abilities? Because oh there's God. a lot. There's a lot of stuff that's going there's on in that episode. A lot episode of really, that, really cool stuff. Yeah. Stuff I had never seen before. So I'm going to give it to something that I had not seen before okay. because I've seen cool fire tricks, though. There's some really cool fire tricks. And there's a lot of other things going on there, too. 
the uh, vines as the gateway sort of barrier, mm-hmm. the the vines sort of coming through, and then the uh, Nilfgaardians trying to break through that to to hurt her. Yeah, just the weave and the way they would try to weave around and like try to you know force their hand out or try to put pressure on them to draw their hand back and everything. I thought that was super inventive and really cool looking. Great visually to see them sort to see the vines sort of creep in and create this little barrier. Yeah, it was really okay. Cool. Was I'm gonna cool. throw out my answer to this question and then sort of pose a thing that I'm I'm not sure I understood about the show. Sure, it might have told me and I just missed it. My favorite, actually, just genuinely loved the sequence of boom, cool, cool mage effect, boom, cool mage effect. I really liked that sort of, uh, rhythm, but I think one of the most effective ones sort of on a character level too, is dude's name is Vilgefortz and his, and his, not Vilgefortz, Vilgefortz. (laughs) um, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, was the sword guy. He keeps materializing the new swords mm-hmm. and that was just a really well executed action set piece. But you, I, I will own it if, if it just passed me by earlier, because this is the point I'm trying to make is things I didn't quite comprehend were important that end up important. A thematic bit of yeast that gets kneaded into the dough of episode eight is this reserve your chaos idea. Yeah. Right. 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 And Specifically, Vilgefortz over overextends himself because mm-hmm. remember Jennifer, I think in her telepathic, you know, kind of utterances, is like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> watch yourself." Uh, <laughs> but basically, says reserve your chaos. He keeps repeating uh, one. I guess it also begs the question of how how uh, uh, effective a swordsman he is if he keeps losing every sword he materializes. But <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but he eventually runs. I'm just out. a really bad wizard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, great wizard, bad swordsman. Um, <laughs> uh, is did the notion of depleting or or you know reserving chaos as a as a in video game parlance kind of energy bar was yeah, that your present? mps yeah was um, that present maybe the... oh. i don't know about present without the because um the only time we really get into the mechanics of m- majory is when in the early episodes when yennefer is training right and then really the only other time that we see it where there's any question of how long can someone keep this up mm-hmm. was the portals with yennefer where like mm-hmm. It, it begins to be more and more of a struggle the more times she does this. And then she right. even says at one point, I think, I can't I can't keep pace with this. I can't do this. So that concept, you know, like in video games of like, oh, yeah, their MPs are all like are depleting and reducing. I, I do think it would be fair to say that that's a through line narratively. Um, and I think because of where Yennefer's story ends, I would affirm that I think they're trying to say something about a through line narratively thematically because of course that's her big hero's moment sure. at the end is when uh, I always I know her name I visualize seeing her name but I don't is it Taisa no to say to say to say okay so when to tells her let your chaos explode and right. you know that's that's the narrative release your chaos really yeah and that's the I thought she said let your chaos explode maybe she said both I don't remember but um 
she uh when she when when Yennefer then takes that i mean the camera zooms in on her face we see her kind of collecting herself we see her collect the fire which that was really cool like where she pulled kind of pulled the fire into her fingertips mm, from mm. the distances mm-hmm. and then just sort of unleashed it everywhere um really really effective and powerful moment um so yeah i would say that because that is the culmination of of where she's been leading and who she's been trying to become because now she's unleashing her force of of power for i guess you could say for good ends she's trying sure, to sure. you know protect and save this city but back to your point about that being a thing that can be depleted she's gone now right, you right, know right. and 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 again i should say i don't think this show wants us to think she's dead uh but but she is definitely gone right she's oh, yeah. she's, she's you know she's completely back. vanished yeah she'll oh absolutely yeah uh yeah and i think all i was trying to articulate is the putting specific language to it reserve your chaos release your chaos like i didn't i couldn't remember if if that sort of articulation had been present um you know we're not formally doing we already did a those ain't right but i will add to the that ain't rights at least in the traditional formula is the wormy little monsters in the box yeah yeah yeah. they reminded me of uh is it wrath of khan yeah, it's Wrath of Khan yeah, where that yeah, little yeah. sluggish thing gets into his ear. Most traumatizing moment in that all of Star right. Trek history. That ain't right. That ain't yeah. right. No, but it's um yeah that that whole thing because it, it threw me for a second when her friend attacks her in the tower. Oh yeah, and then I was like, I thought it was just oh, mind yeah. control, but yeah, but yeah, and so um so yeah, but it, it threw me off for a second when I when I saw that until I saw those things and it's realized another like, teenage oh, witch. When, yeah. <laughs> Yes, um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's when it finally clicked. Like, oh, that's why there's there's uh, some despair there. But what I didn't get is I don't know if Vilgefortz. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Vilgefortz. Um, boy, I had the I had the Stregobor last night, and now I got the Vilgefortz. So, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I'll let the doo get you. No, oh, there it is. Um, but. In the final moment, we see him. He kills one of his own, and I couldn't tell. Does he? If, I don't remember that part. Yeah, well, he ki- Yeah, because the the guy against the tree who's wounded is like, "Oh, help me!" And then he just like, <laughs> "Help me!" Is he that pathetic? <laughs> he's just like, "You're dead." <laughs> but but I'm. You I, always I mean, said my name wrong. But I think that I couldn't discern. Maybe savvier listeners will know. I couldn't discern if his deception was choice or if he was mind controlled. Like the re- I don't know, and 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 yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell because it didn't show me that he was being like controlled by one of those worm things or anything. So I don't know if his. I got the impression that this was like he was really like sort of a double agent or something, but I don't know if that was the impression I was supposed to get or not. Um, or a double agent. Wow, Ooh. clever girl. <laughs> yeah. So like. But I think that's I what I love, mean. I'd love the thought of Jacob listening to this conversation and be like, oh, my God, you guys <laughs> did not pick up on anything. I want so badly to tell <laughs> yeah, you everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, in well, his defense, I love your Lilac and Gooseberries note, Jacob. That was man, that perfect. was wonderful. That, that was, was so delightful. Um, but I do think it's like, yeah, um, that's why I keep coming back to this notion of I feel like they ended at their next to last episode. I would have liked to have seen one more thing. But again, Yennefer's plot line was really done because I feel like her, you know, storyline for this season reached a satisfying conclusion to its arc. And I think 
in the sense that Geralt and Ciri are now together, that also did so. But there's still a lot going on to this world that I'm like, I don't, I don't really get a payoff for that, you know. Um, but anyway, and do uh, you do you comprehend the general motivation of the Nilfgaardians? Like it feels like quest. I don't know. All right. Okay. But it feels like some of that conflict is rooted at the at the at the banquet, right? Yeah, but I get the impression that Sentra is something of a controversial figurehead. Like to the to the end, but I don't know why. The town. The town ta- yeah, the town right. and Calanthe as a leader, it's like I get the impression that maybe it's like a class thing and maybe it's like a oh, the Centrans are the big, you know, like Landing. ultra elite, but um, you know, and the Nilfgaardians are the ones that are wanting to like rise up and and reclaim their you know agency ownership or something i you know i but I, i'm i'm yeah, i don't know i'm I trying to connect this, there's a character named mousesack like i don't wow what yeah mousesack now i do but, love that's one of my favorite scenes in 7 and 8 is the teleporting when they corner him in the basement and mousesack oh, is with him and he makes him teleport them that's yes yeah that was pretty awesome that was pretty awesome i think the the I mean, there is a conversation. What? <laughs> Nothing. Just us trying to talk our way through these characters and places yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Where they, where they are and what they do. Um, I think, so Jacob brought up something. Listeners heard it. And I, I do think it's it's interesting. It's an interesting exploration of this notion of, um, of fate and destiny, which they, that is unquestionably a thematic through line throughout everything. I mean, it's the... I, I kind of joked about it earlier, but that's the note that Geralt narrates for you when he and Siri finally embrace. I do still think the moment might have been more powerful if they'd have just embraced and that be it, but it's fine. Um, and I feel like that concept of Geralt as a character constantly pushing and pulling against what everybody keeps saying is his destiny, I do think that's an interesting exploration that the show is trying to do, and that him being a a witcher which is not you know again as jacob pointed out they're they're not really accepted uh anyway they're, they're more tolerated uh than anything else and i feel like he's uniquely positioned to kind of be the guy you want in the room but the guy you don't want in the room uh, you know as as well because he's so unpredictable and um, you know, he makes his own choices in terms of even sometimes when he's conscripted to do certain things, he's um, not necessarily going to go the route that you expected him to go. He's not necessarily, you know, he's not going to try to kill the Striga. He's going to try to save the Striga. And, and I find that really very compelling. And I do think some of what the show was playing around with about fate and destiny and what's predetermined and what is the result of your own choices. I think there's some really interesting stuff there. I just kind of really resonate a lot with what you say that it's like, I, I respect and admire the story they're trying to tell. I think their storytelling is getting in their way in a couple of these sort of just with the layout of this first season. Another big reason why I'm so fascinated to see what the second season does is I want to see if they are just pure linear now. Like I want to see now, do we just follow, you know, well, I say certainly, Uh, but, but that's more wishful thinking than anything uh, yeah, i guess it's like but but i'm not really sure exactly where they you know how they're going to construct the second season now that siri and Geralt have found each other and presumably by siri's last line gonna go on a search to you know reconcile with Gen- with yennefer jennifer yeah but with uh <laughs> yennefer um so so i am interested to see that but but yeah i am i mean 
questions and considerations of determinism and fate and destiny, um, I think my biggest thing is is the show is interested in asking that question. I don't know that it's interested or or as interested in exploring the ramifications of someone's journey through that, you know, like because I feel like Geralt, you know, pretty pretty much embraces that. Yeah, Siri's my responsibility, and I'm coming to to protect her or try to protect her, despite Calanthe sort of being like, "No, you can't, you can't ever." So, but I'm give I you- mean, he does reject that mantle for some time. True. Uh, and I can't remember, I think they laid it out for us in seven, but I can't remember what is it that ultimately drives him back to embrace. Do you remember? Do you know? I don't. I'm, um, I'm asking if you remember. No, I just think the, the number of times over the last four weeks when one of us says, I can't, I, did it say it? Do or you remember? We, do, I don't know. Um, no, no, uh, no. So, so I was trying to, I was wondering, did six feed into it? Six ends with the big Geralt and Yennefer fight. Then right. Geralt gets After mad at Yaskier. Yeah. And they apart, all part ways. But seven begins with Geralt warning Malsack of the Nilfgaard, Nilfgaard, the Nilfgaardians on the move. So, so that's yes. him catching up to it, but I can't, but you're kind of making the point. Mm, is yeah. you've got characters moving through a story and I'm really uncertain why certain choices are being made. I yes, yes. Um agreed. yeah. Which sounds good to say because destiny, but that's also cheap storytelling too. Like mm. I now I'm going to give some shout outs here for what I thought was happening in the banquet. I could be totally wrong here. <laughs> when so the law of surprise is bestowed upon Geralt, which is why, or uh, Dooney offers him that, which commits he and Siri to each other. Am yes. I not wrong? Dooney also invokes it as having been gifted to him, which is why he's now there. Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yes. So he's the there of, to claim his mm-hmm. bride, which was his reward for the law of surprise. That's right. his claim. Yes. Um, and as, one thing I found actually really interesting about that. And you, I think you had said you thought this was Pavada's powers. And, and, and this is where I joked, like, does, can everybody do something here? But mm-hmm. remember the maelstrom that hits? Yeah. The big the cyclone thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I may be totally wrong. I interpreted that because I think that's after that happens in response to Calanthe trying to kill him. Remember yes. when it's a, she stops uh, Calanthe from killing him by screaming. And then it's immediately after that, that the cyclone sort of okay. raises them up. Yes. I'm going to tell you how I read that scene. Okay. Is that the cyclone? It's was destiny itself. Ooh. Asserting it's, it's care over, which is why wow. I was not saying I thought, I am not certifiably disagreeing with you because I just don't know. I didn't think sure. Pavada had powers. I thought she just screamed and the the active essence of destiny was asserting the law of surprise in their favor, subverting Calanthe's attempts to kill him, saying, no, 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 no. My Which, only... Ch- yeah, me, please. Me, please I, I, no, I mean, I just... No, my what? only challenge to that is that when the maelstrom subsides, Calanthe comes to Pavada and says, I thought your grandmother's powers had skipped you the way it had skipped me. She directly calls out. Now that's not to say that it's the maelstrom. Maybe it was the scream. I don't know, but, (laughs) but I just know that 
<laughs> I just I just know that Calanthe says I remember that Calanthe says to her, I thought your grandmother's powers had skipped you the way they skipped me. Something to that line. Mm. Uh to that end. Well then uh, who the hell knows, Reed? <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know, but, like uh, before you follow that train, all I was trying to establish in both of these instances is because you referenced Geralt and and Siri at the end, and I'm 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 piggybacking a bit on Jacobs, the the track he was laying there was, I kind of like the idea, however misreading I might have done of the banquet scene, I was taken at least momentarily and like the idea that destiny might have form and substance in this world yeah. that's going to uh, you know we can use the word predestined if we want but i don't think it's that simple and reductive uh, a way to phrase it but the just the things that are meant to be together by commitment and by you know spirit will be yeah. together and i think that's yeah. a really cool and really powerful sort of idea no absolutely and i think that it's worth considering and i like your Although, again, this is not meant to be a backhanded compliment, although I still feel yeah. convinced that that was pretty much Pavada's powers because right. of that one line. I like the idea of Destiny being an unseen entity that's sort of like mm-hmm. tie, tying all these things together. I agree with you. I think that's, I think that's pretty profound. And I don't know. It's like when you get into the, when you get into some of those subjects about our own life and, and we get into the senses of determinism and the senses of, you know, in, in theological speak, people talk about predestination, but in general, the, the push and pull that, you know, of what is inevitable versus what we influence with our own decisions and what those of us who believe in God as we do, th- what God influences with what takes place, you mm-hmm. know, what was it inevitable because, okay, I'm going to spe- speculate some really heady things here very quickly, but. Are things inevitable because they are set in motion and we cannot change them? Are things inevitable because when we begin, as the narrative in Genesis tells us of the Tower of Babel, when things begin to go in a way that God says, no, not this way, he intervenes in some way uh, or, you know, comes in and and, and uh, subverts something or sideswipes something uh, uh, in, in that capacity? Or is it purely the, the uh, automatic end result of all of the different choices that individual human beings make um in individual scenarios you know like uh dropping a little em malcolm with like chaos theory uh from from jurassic park it it's like the idea that there are this myriad of different choices microscopic variations to the choice um even uh, things that would say like, okay, if we end this conversation at an hour 30 as opposed to an hour 20 or something, you know, what, whatever it mm-hmm. is, that that small variation in things may have ripple effects that then carry over into a number of other incalculable factors. Right. Um, so either it's all sort of the dance of will or is it predetermined? Go ahead with what you're about to say. I was just going to say, well, there it is. <laughs> And and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> the only no, one on my I'm, side is a blood sucking lawyer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, I, I think my brain is too small for that. <laughs> I mean, I I think I re- I remember referencing this on the show one time. I don't remember in what context, but of listening to um, I've I've got an, a a peer who is a self professed atheist 
uh, that I know have known for decades now and really great guy. And he tipped me off to this kind of physicist person. And I went looking just, I was like, Oh, I should kind of have some knowledge of this and be, and hear this out and see what's up and, and listening to this physicist. Um, and I maybe miss, I may be, you know, overlapping some, some influences there, but listening to this physicist in a particular inter- podcast interview and it was just mind blowing. He's like, mm. nothing you do is your own choice. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just from in term in, in this weird, it's been a while since I've listened to it, this weird kind of cosmic meta macro scale. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not doing anything that <laughs> is wow. of your own will. I'm like, oh, oh God, oh, I don't but know. He's talking, and and, and I, I'm not going to ask you to remember too many particulars yeah. of this because good luck. It'll but, fail. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you could, you should be able to probably at least answer this, I think. And if not, then no judgment. But sure. the, the, was he speaking from a position that like there's a force that is sort of tilting the scales one way or another? Or is it cosmologically mathematics that like, B. hey, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so cosmology it was, it was mathematics. Less, it was now you may be saying something really specific I'm unaware of, but I'm simply saying it was less divine sort right. of hand yes. and more just mm, this is just the way the universe is operating and you're yeah. just a a participant in it or that a basically our participant sure that i guess because i something that i have pondered before I've, I've been talking a lot to my son who has a a pretty strong fear of bugs and uh that's just you something should show that, him the episode with the Jiminy Cricket thing. Yeah, he'd love I'm that. Sure. That's that's great. It'd be fun in my household. <laughs> I'll have to do sleep regression for the next like two years. But um, the but I think you know when I'm talking to him about it, I'm talking about you know just the things the animals do, and talking about instincts. I'm just like you know it's just it's just their instinct. You know that that bee that you're so terrified of. It's is just nearly... a tip with legs. Wow, yeah. Let me show you Candyman. That'll really... <laughs> <laughs> That'll really do it. They didn't wrong. harm him, son. No, it's see, like look. You show him Candyman in order to diminish his fear of bees. It's right, like, right. okay. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, the housing projects. Oh my God. He's like, Dr. So... Burke is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, daddy. Maybe I should give therapy a chance. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, well, Un- unintended takeaway. Yep. But the, uh, but I think the the thing that's worth considering is that, like, I'm trying to emphasize that B is just trying to get from one flower to another. It's just on its path, you know. It's just it's doing what it has the instinct to do, and is following those different things. And I would wonder, getting back to cosmo- cosmological yep. mathematics, is the is the postulate that oh. We are creatures of instinct. It's just that because we have layered on so much of our own either self-awareness or, you know, the ponderings of our own existence and things like that, that we um, are under the illusion that we are not operating from instinct, but rather from decisive, you know, this is the choice that I'm making. And obviously, I should just probably seek out the episode and listen to what he has to say. But um, Except that I can't tell you his name, so, you know, it seemed, yeah, that seems... 
predestined that that would be Good the luck. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. It's this mythical conversation I'm never going to get to, you know. So, but I, but I do but think the takeaway <laughs> is this was all meant to be, Reed. But I think it's you know, and and scriptures. I mean, there are a myriad of different theological positions on this. I'm not going to articulate them all because that's boring. But I'm just like <laughs> that. <laughs> but I think you know, it is it is worth wrestling with how much is you know uh intervened upon and how much is cuz i'm i'm i'll express my own i'll make it personal for a minute like i'll express my own like where i sit with it honestly is very much not because i sit at some church of stephen king or whatever but is very much the way that stephen king but you, has but you, you kind of do let's let's it's let's okay. back off I'm, so you're not no, my therapist no, no hate <laughs> so, but no no i mean like Stephen King's uh, postulates on this subject align pretty closely with my own, which is there are things in the world that are pushing us towards order, and there are things in the world that are pushing us towards chaos. Now, I'm going to use the words order and chaos. I'm going to ask you, Nathan, and any listeners not to get too hung up on that. I'm just kind of adopting the... You know, that there are things which are pushing towards good ends. Oh, that's, she's awesome. Um, uh, listeners don't know that he just held up WandaVision for me. Uh, Wanda Maximoff. But um, this notion that the things are pushing upon each other and that there are things working in the world to to produce good and health and wholeness. And there are things working in the world to produce not that. The, you know, the opposite to that end and that we as people are caught a bit in the balance of those two sort of streaming uh, forces. Um, I have frequently pondered and I don't know how much this has arrested people's imaginations before. Maybe I'm I'm somewhat uh, solitary in this or at least uh, a rare species that I contemplate this. But between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years of silence from from god no no judges no prophets no anything just 400 years of silence and the fact that in in terms of biblical text biblical textual history god just bows out of the conversation for 400 years but then the end result of that is that then we dive into the new testament and it's the coming of christ is the is the sort of culmination the first time that god speaks after 400 years is to zachariah to say, hey, you're gonna, your wife's gonna give birth to John, and then to Mary uh, through Gabriel that she's gonna give birth to Jesus, and and so it's like you have this long stretch of time where there's just nothing, no intervention, generations come and go, no intervention whatsoever. It is a and 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 this is what I arrests my imagination significantly. It's this notion of there was that precedented time in history. Where people were born and people died and lived their entire life. I do not believe God was not watching and I do not believe God was not acting with great intention, but he was silent in that span of time and was not actively sort of interacting uh, with anybody. And so when people talk about the role of God in our day to day lives and the role of people in uh, like our own sort of push against determinism and is everything predestined were we destined to start this podcast become friends do all of these other kinds of things um you know it is it is fascinating to me 
to explore the ways in which I feel like I am my own person, but I feel like it's really difficult for me to deny that I am being pushed and pulled upon by things beyond my unseen self. For uh, sure. Like, and, uh, you know, whether that be cosmological mathematics, whether that be, as I do believe, the active, intentive presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit and God, uh, whether that be, you know, things that are of a more malevolent nature that are maybe uh, feeding off of what would otherwise be good and wholesome in who I am and, and uh, for, you know, their own intents and purposes. But I just I, I, I just think that's kind of where I sit with it, that I that I hang in the balance of all of that and that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for my choices, um, which is why I think they're my choices. I think if something was predetermined, I don't know how I could be responsible for them. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just something that's, maybe that's a bridge I just can't cross, but I'm like, yeah, if, 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 if it's all predetermined, I don't know how I could be held accountable or responsible for, you know, what happened. And I do believe in personal accountability and personal responsibility, which is why I believe our choices are our choices. And yeah, um, at the same time, it's kind of fun to ponder that we were destined to make this show together. I mean, I do like that. That's like, a, I, you know. yeah, I shared, um, when I, when I paid tribute to my, to my late friend, Randy, I shared that I, I loved his sentiment where he said, you know, take a moment, look around and realize that our stories couldn't have finished without each other. I find that genuinely lovely. Sure. And I do think that there is, I just feel by and large that I, you know, obviously I believe in what some might call an interventionist God. I believe in a God who, who at his will and pleasure sometimes steps into time to transact, if you will. Do I believe that's the sum total of our relationship with God? No, I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't believe that. Um, but I, but I do not believe as, you know, far too, far more of the founding fathers were more deists, uh, than, uh, than they were like, you know, evangelicals, uh, evangelicals <laughs> than people were, which is, you know, the deist vision is that, you know, yeah, God set the world in motion and then kind of, you know, the, the, yeah, the clockmaker that he's, he's in his perpetual and then God rested sort of, <laughs> sort of state of things. Um, but uh and I, I i don't feel that way i i have kind of experienced too much personally to to make me feel that way but uh but it is interesting to ponder and i i i i don't necessarily embrace the notion that the future is set but i do think it's possible that there are certain things which inevitably will come about to be um you know whatever those whether that's as something as morbid or final as we will die uh whether that is something you know or or like grow old or something like that or whether that's things that are a little bit more lovely like you know progressions of path towards health depending on the choices you make and the and the people around you know who who surround you um i don't know I don't even know if I'm making sense. I'm just these are these are the things that I think about in this conversation about fate and destiny and free will and and all of that kind of kind of thing. Hmm. You see, you look to me like a man with thoughts to share. It could be that you're just a man with thoughts to think. 
<laughs> Let destiny decide which. Let us flip a coin. There are thoughts. They are half formed or even a quarter so. And, you know, there's there's risk of coming out babbling. But so so like I just did. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it's funny. I think there's a deep part of me that that is actively resistant to a deterministic kind of framework. But that's my nonconformist kick against the goads type of type of persona i and i i think in this immediate second i don't even mean this era of life i mean this literal moment i kind of am okay with the idea of a destiny-esque influence on Mm. on certain things you know Mm. i don't i don't think destiny or if we want to get you know kind of Christian about it. God cares what, what Marvel legend figure I have on my desk. Um, yeah, of course. But there are times I think about, I like, I actually think you're probably correct in your, uh, textual reading of the banquet scene. Mm. The romantic in me likes the idea that love and romantic love is, is a spoke on the wheel of a destiny right concept um i often think when the moment comes and there's no need to put so much weight on it that it has to be one moment but many conversations over time when i talk to my children about what i think is a rather silly evangelical notion of the one you know this person all right singular of of eight billion people in the world there's 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 only one and only one and if you miss that you've you've missed it i think that's a bit I don't know, silly feels like a mean word, but it's the one that's coming to me in the moment. At the same time, I think there's a firmament that could be stood on that a person can become the one to you. Mm, mm. If that distinction makes any sense. Yeah, sure. And I've followed this rabbit trail specifically just to say, like, I think it's hard for me to say, oh, we were destined to be together or you and I were destined to make the fear of God together. I do like the idea that we have become destined to do so. Mm-hmm. I find that really lovely and really me too yeah. heartening and, and, and not betraying of the nonconformist version of me either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, it's the both. And maybe I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. Um, but I do like cake. So, Cake is cake is good. <laughs> I'll, th- I'll throw one thing out there, and then maybe this is our sort of landing pad to 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 wind it home. Like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about you know Christ in the garden, and you know is there any other way that we can do this? I do I do think a lot about Christ and his temptation in the wilderness, and that's that question in the garden of is there any other way to do this and the and the frequency of times when he said you know he told them that he was going to die and rise again in three days and so i think here's the best way that i can articulate this when i think about christ and what happened there it was set in motion it was prophesied um 
I'm going to articulate a bunch of things in quick succession just to sort of wrap up my framework and then say where I think we fit into this from my point of view, from my vantage point. Um, a bunch of things were set in motion. Christ was born. Christ lived. Christ died and Christ rose. Uh, I believe all of these. And then in the midst of that, and then uh, not to forget about the temptation as well, in my mind and in my understanding of the theological construct, if it was not possible for Christ to have succumbed to temptation, then the victory over temptation meant next to nothing. If it was not possible for him as a man to have succumbed to temptation, then his victory in temptation was little more than an inevitable box check. In the same token, if it were not possible for him to endure the cross and endure death and rise again, and were not possible to somehow undermine what his mission was through that process, then his mission meant nothing. If it's a box check, then that's all it is. It's just it's just a box check. So the way that I kind of try to reconcile our position within these things is there are paths upon which we're set and places which I believe the Lord would have us to go and places. And I also think, speaking of that, I also think about uh, what Jesus told to Peter at the end of John, which I've invoked before, where he said, someday someone's going to put you in clothes you don't want to wear and take you to a place you don't want to go. Well, if there's absolutely no sort of forecast, then a statement like that is is nonsense. It means nothing. But I don't believe it's nonsense. I believe that there is sort of like a path we set ourselves upon and that we walk that path, hopefully in faithfulness, uh, as Eugene Peterson would describe it, along obedience in the same direction. Like, I, I hope we walk that path faithfully. But at the same token, I do believe there is capacity along the way for us to make choices that might uh, either divert us from that path, whether temporarily or not, or might just culminate in things that were not necessarily automatic outcomes of it. And and we don't have time, uh, we definitely don't have time, maybe don't have depth in this conversation to wrestle with all of the complexities of Adam and Eve eating the fruit in the garden. Uh, the flood and its ramifications, uh, David being anointed when Saul was still king, all of these different things that are collisions of destiny and purpose, but also choice, and also this, uh, you know, where we sit in the flow of it. But where I try to sit is in a place that I believe is true of Christ in those moments, that it is possible to make the wrong decisions and it is possible to make decisions which will not produce good outcomes and not produce good in my life. But I have been set upon a course where I will be nudged, pushed, guided, instructed, uh, hopefully led, led is probably the best word, to the right choices which will then be mine to make or not. And that is kind of how I view my world in in the scheme of things that i will i will be guided led to the places where i will have the opportunity to make the right choices and then it is up to me to make them or to not i feel um, like you're you're you know propping up me for the black hole paradox you know oh uh, i don't know <laughs> and Anne just watches from the 
Oh man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Boy, that uh, that yeah, article just blew my mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in the interest of sort of putting a button on it so that we can maybe go to the fog meter for Witcher season one, that's my that's my take on that piece. Um, and 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 I do I, I wouldn't I know for myself, I sit quite often with uh, that that understanding of well, the choice is mine to make, whether or not. I made it as an as a result of inevitability or I made it as a result of agency the choice is still mine to make and uh, and it's 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 kind of up to me to do everything that I can with my choices it's like I just don't have all the information and so I have to make the best choices that I possibly can given the information that I do have and that that's how we navigate our you know was it destiny was it choice as Forrest Gump would say maybe a little bit of both was it destiny or fate? And Forrest, he says, Gump maybe that? Forrest Gump said. I thought you yeah. were quoting Star Lord there. <laughs> no, no, he, he, no. Forrest Gump said because I think Star Lord quotes Forrest Gump, but he's like, you know, no, he doesn't. He's, no, he left doesn't. in the eighties. Yeah, but no, uh, he stands at Jenny's grave and he said, "Was it was it fate or was it choice? Maybe a little bit of both happening maybe at both. the same time." He says it that way. Yeah, right. He say it that way. <laughs> oh man, should we? Jenny, should, <laughs> should we put this in the books before you go to Bubba Gump's shrimp castle? Can't see it here. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, let's do it, Striga. Okay, all right. Uh, fog meter is our very specific metric. You know it by now, a fear and God, how we measure the scares and the substance of the material that we cover. Uh, we are covering now Witcher Season 1, wrapping up, and so I am going to lead the charge on fear. Not terribly nightmarish, but man, the monsters are awesome. So while it's not terribly frightening... Uh, I'm going to give it a six just for the monsters and creature designs alone. We covered them at the top of the show, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go six for the fear measurement. I'll join you. <laughs> right. yeah. I didn't mean Pondered to overthink that. Yep, yep. And then, uh, here I yep, go. Go here for I it. Go. It's uh, destined. What, what would you say on the God measurement? I don't know. I think it, I think it name drops a lot of thematic touch points. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of see a well-formed uh, picture painted there. Um, uh, for the God, I'm going to go with a five. Okay. Uh, it, it's funny because the number that I'm landing on is, uh, for comparable reasons, is a, is a four. Um, I think for me, it's, you said it so succinctly and great that it's like, I, I really like the story being told. The storytelling gets in the way, which makes it really hard for me to know concretely what's on its mind and what's just baked into the conversation. I think the earlier episodes do a better job of substantiating th- some thematic elements than the later episodes do. Uh, stuff like wrestling with the lesser of two evils and things like that that I think are really yeah, interesting. Yeah, actually, I wrote that down and that's episode one. That, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so that means that we give The Witcher season one five out of ten on the fog meter, which perfectly respectable showing. Man, the tricky question and I'll go first. Would I recommend The Witcher Season 1? I'm going to cop out and reserve my answer until I see Witcher Season 2. Because... Oh, I thought you were saying, I'm going to go first. I'm going to cop out. Nathan, you go. No, no. <laughs> I thought you were doing... No, because I think how I no, feel about no, Season no, no, 2... No, no, no. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you off that no, hook. No, I've got to... I'm not oh. going to let you off Candyman's hook there. Do you recommend Season 1? I don't yet. I don't yet. I I might change my tune if season... So, yeah, don't let me off the hook. That's fine. My answer is, no, I don't recommend Witcher Season 1. 
season two may turn me around to that. But ultimately, the experience was something that I do not regret. I am I am happy to have watched it. It's not something that I'm going to really champ get out there and champion to for a bunch of people to see. I may feel differently when season two comes around. But what about for you? I think it's an extremely qualified recommend. Um, Like, this has happened. I have some colleagues who were Game of Thrones fans. And, and I, you know, I asked them if they'd seen it. And no, I was like, you might actually like it. So, like, I have kind of softly recommended it. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. But when I do, when, when it comes up, it is with the qualifier like just yeah hold on tight for a little bit sure Mm -hmm. sure understood um so you know again i i actually the the tropes that are present i appreciate um sure yeah you know and and by the end of it like i said it was it is not uh uh this is not me just trying to save face there were moments in those last two episodes where i was like doggone it I'm kind of curious what I am kind of missing from the first episodes now. Right. That of course. Would right. make this a little more impactful that, that that's not a backhanded compliment. Like they're not there. I'm saying there probably were some stuff there. I just missed it because I yeah. didn't know what no, I was I being fed. Um, so yeah, I, I would say it's an extremely qualified recommend. Okay. All right. Well that, well, uh, here's what I will say. Uh, I have, I have some big applause to heap on Jacob Sane's way for, uh, sending us through this journey because as I said, it's an experience that I, I don't regret. I am, I will be queuing up season two, whether we decide to cover yeah. it on the show or not. And, I'm curious. and that's not yeah. nothing. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see where they go next. Um, so thank you very, very much, Jacob, for taking us on this journey. Uh, Nathan, thank you for walking the journey with me. Next week, uh, it should be noted we have three weeks left of the What Scares Us segment of this year. So we will be very soon uh, issuing, you know, kind of what's next. Uh, obviously, the setback half of the year is going to be What Saves Us with a hopefully very fun and pretty off-the-wall intermission in between of some things that we have planned. Um, but for the next three weeks, uh, we will be wrapping up the submissions that we've received for what scares us. We won't be able to get to everything. Thank you so much for everybody who's got it. But next week, we are going to be going to a film. I should have looked up the director. I only know Ryan Reynolds in a coffin. Oh, (laughs) No, Ryan Reynolds in a coffin. We're going to be going to uh, next week to the film Buried, hearkening back to what Jess said last week about being trapped. Boy, talk about being trapped. I thought about that when she was mentioning it. Yeah, so so we're going to be covering Ryan Reynolds uh, starring buried uh next week and that'll be the first of our last three of the what scares us submissions uh nathan thank you again so much for this conversation thank you again jacob for driving us here um and as we say on every episode the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing we'll see you next week everyone see you guys bye at the continent (laughs) the incontinent continental breakfast He's not just continent, he's incontinent. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes, or for merchandise and to contact us directly. 
You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of JacobHuntComics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me read Lackey write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.